How's it going, everybody on Twitch, Kick, Twitter, YouTube, and Facebook? Uh, we have a text line that you can text us at at 833-262-6431 if you want to chime into our conversation or have any kind of dialogue there. Uh, if you, you might be hearing us on one of our podcast things like Spotify or something of that nature. So if you ever wanted to actually see us uh, live and in the webcam, you can come and see us at YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, Kick, and Twitter. Once again, that text line is 833-262-6431 if you have any disagreements or you want to have a dialogue. Make sure you subscribe and comment on one of our videos to enter into the Apostles Attic t-shirt giveaway. We are giving away a t-shirt at some point, and I would love to get that into one of your hands. And you can also choose a design from anywhere on the website. All right, and so moving right into the gospel message. The gospel is the good news, and God has done something for, uh, to forgive us of our sin. We've all messed up. We've all done something and we're all in need of God's forgiveness and so what God has done is he has stepped into his creation he is the author and creator of our whole universe and he has stepped into our creation into his creation and through the person of Jesus Christ he was born of the Virgin Mary through an immaculate conception and basically lived the perfect life and allowed it to be laid down as a sacrifice to wipe away all of our sins and he died on that roman cross he was buried in a tomb for three days and he rose again on on easter that's why we celebrate easter right and um so if you put your faith in the person of jesus and and uh, his death burial and resurrection and you you can also go and read the, the testimonies in the gospels in the bible it's that's how the new testament kicks off uh matthew mark luke and john if you read those and you are convicted and believe that what you're reading is true, then you have a promise from a holy God in his word that you will have eternal life. Um, you know, uh, John 3, 16, um, God gave his only begotten son that whoever should believe shall not perish but have eternal life. So essentially, if you believe in Jesus and you put your faith in Jesus, you will have eternal life and you will get to be with him and spend your eternity in the presence of God because you have in a your soul is eternal and it will not pass away so your eternity can be spent either in the presence of God heaven or in the absence of God hell and so what we what me and Ryan are doing on this podcast is trying to spread the gospel message so that it would convict people and that you would believe and we urge you all to put your faith in Jesus Christ so that you can be adopted into the family of God like all, all, me and Ryan and all the other Christians. And um, yeah, and so that you would be in heaven forever. And so that's Amen. why we urge you to put your faith into Jesus Christ. And then and, Ryan also mm, has a message. Yeah, amen. So, and, and once you are a Christian, uh, which I hope everybody listening becomes one, but so once you are, that actually means that you have a bunch of rights. That means you have the right to enter into the kingdom of God. But it also means that you have a bunch of resp responsibilities. Uh, you are a king and a priest as a Christian. Uh, you can see that in Revelation 1.6 and uh, over in Second Peter. And what that means is that you are supposed to go out into your community and minister to those around you. Okay, and so that's what uh, Austin and I are doing here, trying to start, uh, you know, trying to do, try, uh, trying to start a movement with faithful dialogues where we talk about our faith and kind of minister to you guys as our community because today in today's world uh everybody's online 
right? There aren't really a whole lot of people going down the street corners. We can, you know, so street preaching isn't quite as effective as it used to be, but we can yell at the top of our lungs here on five different streaming services all at once. And I think that that can have a really big effect. And so can you, you can have a really big effect for the kingdom of Christ by going out and doing his will. So uh, I pray that you, uh, Faithfully try to figure out what that is, and uh, hopefully we can help you along the way as best we can. And uh, did we did we do our intros, Austin? Uh, I can't remember the intros as far as like, like, uh, our like who we are. Yeah. Um, no. So um, I'm Austin. I'm with Faithful Dialogues and Apostles Addict. Still trying to get up my personal YouTube channel. Um, if you want to see me, you can find me here on Faithful Dialogues. If you want to see what I'm doing with Apostles Attic. Dot com. You can go to that website and check out the Christ-centered clothing line that I am trying to get going. And then, Ryan, what do you got going for yeah. us? Yeah, so my name's Ryan. I'm with As It Is Written. You can find all my stuff over at AIIW.com. Uh, I hope that you go check that out. And, uh, yeah, so I, you know, I'm just doing my own personal stuff over there, making a bunch of videos. Got some stuff on Oliver Anthony, uh, Hulk Hogan, actually. And a couple other pretty big name people, uh, all professing the name of Jesus Christ and their faith in Him. So I hope that you go check that out, share that with your friends. I'm on Facebook, YouTube, uh, Twitter. Um, I guess it's not Twitter anymore. X, uh, Instagram, all the all the big places. So you can go check me out, aiiw.com or From, .org. Uh... Sorry, .org, not .com. aiiw.org. <laughs> I should probably get my own website right. <laughs> from what i understand people are a little bit upset about the name change but uh it's it's mostly a, a particular group of people name change <laughs> name change from from twitter to x oh yes yes lots of uh lots of people that are upset about that my uh my prediction is that in about six months uh the messaging portion of the x app will go back to being called twitter oh okay um, I was just kind of thinking it was like kind of like a like a almost like a play on SpaceX. Like he's going to do a lot of X things. You know what I mean? Well, he's he's Elon Musk has had an obsession with X since PayPal. So originally, the uh, I think he wanted to name the app back in the day PayPal. He wanted it to be called X. Um, and so he oh, okay he named his kid X a bunch of other crazy letters. Like he's just got some weird thing with the letter X. Uh, but. Huh. What, uh, what he's trying to do is he's trying to make X into the everything app. So in China, they have uh, an app, they have an app that has messaging, it has financial, it has social media. That one app has everything underneath it. And that's what Elon has said that he's specifically trying to make is an everything app with other uh, functionality underneath that X brand. And so my belief is that the first step in that rebranding process is to rebrand the whole app. Everything's called X. Take away all the Twitter branding because that's no longer the company name. And then eventually he's going to go and he's going to have different silos in that same app. Uh, the first thing is going to be banking. He actually just recently got approved to start doing uh, banking services through his X.com app. Is it is it literally like a checking savings type deal? Um, I'm not sure that it's going to be exactly like a checking or savings account, but it'll have basically the same kind of functionality from my understanding. You'll, you'll be able to make payments with it. You'll be able to accept payments with it, whether or not it comes with a physical 
plastic card. I'm not sure. It might just work through the app, and then he'll have to work with all the payment processors to be able to accept X payments through, you know, through your phone, basically. You know how you can go and tap to pay stuff with your phone? At, like, yeah. You know, he'll probably be able to do that. Oh, that I might, see. You... And that would save a ton of money on printing cards and stuff. Yeah, having everything online is, like, the way to go. Um, it's just mm -hmm. a lot easier, a lot easier to... Um, just move around and function that way. Yep, exactly. So, you know, uh, not that we're the Elon podcast, <laughs> so we don't want to <laughs> stick around with that too long. But uh, that's just kind of my two cents on that. And, you know, I have a degree in, you know, political science. And so I keep up to date on the stuff that's going on with our nation. And, you know, so that's just, like I said, just my two cents. Yeah, I, um, it's, uh, in regards to our nation, I, um, I have an actual sincere prayer in Jesus' name that our, uh, our country would come to a place of repentance and we would actually turn to our Savior. And um, I, I really do feel like this nation has been blessed and we're moving away from God. And it's, you're seeing a lot of like, issues from that. You know, like, um, like our, our founders wrote, you know, um, uh, we are all endowed by our Creator and have it, um, inalienable rights and stuff like that. I can't remember the exact thing, but they yeah. were recognizing. Mm -hmm. Go for it. What was it? Yeah, the The quote is: "We are endowed by our Creator with certain inalienable rights. That among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness." And that comes from uh, Thomas Jefferson in the Declaration of Independence. Nice. Yeah, we have some. That'd be cool to to cover some of those uh, documents in like the next podcast or something, or have Christian on. Yeah, and, and that'd be cool. We'll definitely have to have Christian back to uh, kind of do more of a... So he did kind of... Yeah, we'll have to have him back to do a little bit more on the revolutionary period and all of our founding fathers. He's got such a great in-depth knowledge of them, but then specifically of them and their ties to and their belief in Christ. Uh, you know, count, counter to what our culture wants you to believe, most of the founding fathers were fairly serious Christians. A few of them had some weird beliefs. I think Thomas Jefferson, I could be wrong about this, I believe he made his own edition of the Bible where he cut out <laughs> all of the miraculous stuff. Um, you know, so I, I can't say that all of them were spectacularly amazing Christians that I'm going to see in heaven. But at the very least, they paid lip service to Christ. And, you know, they may have had wacky beliefs, but ultimately they weren't so wacky that they denied that there was a creator of the universe at all. On, on that note, let me ask you a question. Um, if I have faith in Jesus's life, death, burial, and resurrection, and I put my faith in, in Christ, and I, I know he's going to come through and get me through what I need to get through on and just, you know, lean on him all the time, but I have some wacky beliefs about stuff. Um, maybe it's not contradicting scripture or anything like that, but, like, if I have some wacky beliefs, does that take away at all from, like, somebody's salvation? So n nothing can take away from your salvation if you have it. The The issue, okay. the reason I said that the way that I did with, with Thomas Jefferson and editing the Bible, what he did is he edited out all of the miracles. And so the problem is the, the ultimate, the greatest miracle is that Jesus Christ was born of a Virgin Mary. He lived a perfect life and then died willingly so that we could be absolved of the consequences of our sins. And so, you know, you take out that miracle, the, the whole Bible is completely pointless. And the problem is, if you're going to believe in that miracle, you have to believe in all the other miracles that happened. And so if 
if I am correct, and it was Thomas Jefferson, I know somebody made a Bible like that. I can't remember exactly who it is if it's not him. Um, but if someone's doing that and they're they're physically editing the Bible, you are committing a grave sin. And, and again, that sin isn't one that you couldn't repent that you couldn't repent of and that you couldn't you know be saved through. But if you don't, if you deny Jesus Christ living a perfect life and, and coming down and saving us from our sins, I mean, you're not a believer. So I don't know, you know, what is what is the Bible if it's not for that? Uh, you know, I guess it's a good moral book, maybe, but it's it's really not even without Jesus and without all of that. It's not even really a good moral book, right? Because if that's not true, then then nothing about it. We should take we should take nothing about it seriously, in my opinion. Yeah, if, uh, I think Paul said something along the lines of, "If there is no resurrection, then we're then we're all miserable or living a miserable lives or something like that." Well, we're so all it's we're the we're the the most miserable wretches on the planet if if there was no resurrection, right? right like we're, yeah. we're devoting our entire life of what we could be you know what we could be doing is going out and being hedonistic and messing people over and stealing money and living you know living it up right now and if there is no god that's what we should be doing but the fact that there is a god the fact that he does have a proper uh function for us as human beings and, and a will for our lives means that we should be living in certain ways and that if we were to live contrary to that then then we're we're not having as good of an experience as we could but for for me like all those atheists that believe that they have a moral framework you do not okay because there is no reason why one clump of atoms can't collide with another clump of atoms for whatever reason, okay? So me stabbing you is literally just me taking one clump of atoms and putting it somewhere that it shouldn't be if there is no... Or that it, that it, that it has... That it should be... Sorry, not that it, it... Sorry, let me restart. If there is no God and I stab you, I'm just one random clump of cells and atoms taking a, a random clump of cells and atoms and stabbing them into you another random clump of cells and atoms there's no moral problem with doing that it would be just like me flipping off a light switch those would be equally morally ex there there is no morals if there is no god cuz cuz the only reason we even have morals at all is because they were given to us by a completely authoritative um creator so yeah that, i i understand what you're saying um basically if everything happened um as a coincidence or like circumstantially like then nothing matters at that mm -hmm. point is that kind of what you're saying yeah exactly so like if there is no god if the universe has just always existed or it just randomly by happenstance somehow got created or not created somehow popped into existence then there is no reason why a person dying even matters okay there is no reason why a human being has any value at all whatsoever to the universe. There, there's no value at all. There isn't even a system where I could begin to create value or, or, or try to come up with different values because inherently it will be all on me. It'll be my own personal values. That's why today you'll hear people say, I have my own personal truth. Oh, that's your truth, not my truth. That's a completely insane statement. <clears throat> If God exists, if God doesn't exist, then it's also an insane statement because there is no truth, not even your own personal truth. That just there is, there just is. It's what there is and what and what isn't. That's all that matters. Yeah. So. Yeah, I get what you're saying. 
All right, we can kind of move on from that, though. Sorry, I kind of rambled on there a little bit. Didn't quite explain oh, myself no, as uh, coherently as I was hoping, but... Uh... You're fine, you're fine. All right, so before we get into um, our proverb reading and our John um, reading that we were going to continue in, we have, we have two as-it-is-written uh, shorts that we want you guys to go ahead and check out if you're watching this podcast. And then um, we also have um, an article from... Uh, christianitytoday.com and um, we're not promoting this website but just kind of looking at one of the um, articles that they put out um, they they talked about a couple things that I think is a good thing for us to talk about because I don't exactly align with their their view on that and even though they're calling it a protestant view yeah I I want you to uh, off rip, I just immediately had issues with this Christianity Today article, so I want you guys to <laughs> read the read the headline and the first couple sentences, and I think you'll all see exactly what it, what me and Austin both saw immediately. Yeah. All right. Let's uh let's get this going with your, the as it is written clips. Are you ready? I am. We're good to go. All right. Three, two, one. Jesus Christ, who are you? Jesus! We can't escape him. We try to run from him, but there he is. He keeps popping up everywhere. Our greatest philosophers write about him. Our greatest historians write about him. Our greatest poems and plays are about him. Our greatest architecture is about him, even in the Soviet Union. You go to the Kremlin. I've been in the Kremlin, and it's all filled with paintings and pictures about Jesus. You go anywhere in the Soviet Union, and you'll see images and art, and much of the music has to do with Jesus. They can't escape him. Nice. Thank you. All right. Thank you. I liked a lot of those effects <laughs> with the outline in yellow looking like he's electrified. <laughs> it was pretty cool. I appreciate that. I've been playing around with that using uh, some software called CapCut, uh, if anybody's interested. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was my first kind of playing around with that. Got uh, 60,000 views over on Facebook just miraculously. You know, um, praise so, God. Yeah, That's praise awesome. God. And I, I'm I'm really glad that so many people got to see that message and and to share it and you know i'm glad everybody here got to see it too and and i hope that uh that you guys follow what he had to say (laughs) it's there was a there was a lot of different things like um i noticed when i became a christian that there there a lot of stuff is about jesus like one of the things that kind of blew my mind was uh the song silent night uh the christmas carol Mm -hmm. and um it talks about like um uh, being born of a virgin and our you know our savior being born essentially and um you kind of like if you're just singing the song mindlessly, you don't really like put that together. But then um, I remember doing stuff with Christian and with the the 30 minute chapel where we were like having the kids sing the song. And um, I just noticed that the, the lyrics are about Jesus. And mm-hmm. then um, I can't speak to art because I've never really been big into art or I don't have the the gene that appreciates it or it really like sticks to me or anything like that. But um, do you happen to know any like art things that have yeah. to do with Jesus? 
all of the greatest art. If you want to list the top probably a hundred, possibly even a top the top thousand of the greatest artistic renderings to have ever existed, I bet every single one of them would be about Christ or about some story from the Bible. So you go from sculpture, you have Michelangelo's da, Michael Michelangelo's David. Uh, so it's a sculpture of of King David. Uh, I believe that he had just killed Goliath, or he, I, I can't remember what the story is behind that statue, but it's King David. Um, you know, you have all the paintings, most of the best paintings are all uh, based around Christ. You've got, like, The Last Supper, You've, I'm sure you've seen oh, it. Oh, yeah. The Last Supper, I mean, that's Christian at its core. Like, literally, the best artwork is all Christian, and it, and it all came from the 1500s, where they were just massively inspired uh, to do to do godly works at that point. So the, just the effect that that person, Jesus Christ, has had on the world, you've got to know that there is something different about him from every other of the, I believe there's about 100 billion people that have ever lived. Um, so he is the most famous person on the planet by a mile, and he has been for 2,000 years. <laughs> it's, even, it's even crazy that, like... Uh we measure we measure our time basically around his life like um mm -hmm. i know that a lot of times you conventionally think it's like um isn't it like uh before christ and after death or isn't there like another uh, way of putting that too yeah so uh currently the way that you'll see it in schools is you'll see bce or uh, ce so before common era or common era and that is just a uh, blatant secularization of our dating system. But the reality is that that BC and that AD comes from Christ. So you said that BC stands for b before Christ. That's correct. And then AD is a, a very special phrase. It's Anno Domini. Okay. Uh, do you have any guesses as to what Anno Domini means? It's uh, it's Latin. Um, Domini almost sounds like dominion. Mm -hmm. And I don't it, know it, what Anno uh, uh, I was right. You were you were annual very close. Dominion. You were very <laughs> close. So uh, it's the year of our Lord. Oh wow! So a domini or domine is the person who is in charge. They're dominant. Uh, that's where that word comes from. Uh, and so okay. AD stands for the, we are in 2023, uh, the year of the year of our Lord. <laughs> oh wow! Mm -hmm. So that's uh, has that is that kind of saying? There's been 2023 years since he's died. Uh, it's 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 counting from his birth, and uh, they're saying that basically as soon as he when a king is born, um, what happens is you actually restart your uh, chronolo your chronology. So you'll see a lot of times in like the Bible it'll say in the fifteenth year in the fourteenth year of this king's reign. That's because oh. they counted their time based off of their kings, and so what. The, uh, the reason that changed is now there's a king of the world that has entered into creation, been born of a virgin, and lived his life. He is now officially the one that we should base all of our time off of because he's going to be the, the ruler and king forever. And so it was a yeah. recognition by the, uh, you know, the converted Roman Empire, ultimately, that Jesus Christ is king. And so it's, it's crazy that the empire that killed him ultimately turned over and, and turned towards towards uh you know uh you know uh, worshiping him as their christ and as their lord and as the one who's literally reigning over the entire like 
time. He reigns over time. He reigns over all of the world, everything. So it's it's there, there's a reason why historians have decided to change that from uh, Christ, you know, Christ based to secular based. And it's because they didn't want to admit that Jesus Christ is Lord. Even by writing yeah. the words A.D. Yeah. What's interesting about that you say that, like I was hearing um, t basically, I think Tony Evans was talking about this because I listen to a lot of K-Wave, so I hear, <laughs> I hear a lot of sermons and stuff. Mm -hmm. But so you know how every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord? Uh-huh. He was talking about how even the people that are going to hell are going to do that too. Mm -hmm. And yep. so it's, it's crazy because like, you can you can profess him as Lord while you still have life, or you can do it on your way to hell, and that that's um, that's got to be the biggest like slap in the face. Is like you realize after you die, oh, it was all true. Oh yeah. no, and then you know that's why again why we're spreading the gospel and trying to um, let people know about Jesus is because um, if you I think the way to put it is like if you're if you haven't repented of your sins and turned towards christ then you die in your sins and there's no going mm -hmm. back after yep right so um yeah the, yeah it this, kinda... this Sorry, life in, in this life is your chance to choose to love god to love his son and to follow his son and take on his uh you know lordship over your life that's that's what this life is for uh, the next life, I, I hope for you, it's it's to spend an eternity with your creator doing exactly what you were created to do. Uh, but unfortunately, statistically, there's a most people are going to be spending eternity in hell. And that's it's an absolute uh, tra travesty. It's a tragedy of the, the greatest proportions. It's it's the the greatest tragedy to have ever, uh, you know, ever happened is is when Eve decided to eat the apple and, and sin against God and, and cause everything that we've seen since then yeah i had I had something that i was uh it totally uh, escaped me but <laughs> i had something i was gonna, gonna touch on about that but um yeah it's gone okay <laughs> oh well that happens to me all the time but uh hopefully hopefully you'll think of it later but uh yeah i'm you know i'm i'm so grateful that that i get to be a christian and get to spread his go you know christ's gospel and the good news to to everybody right like how much better could it be <laughs> you know it's it's definitely been a life changer because i i thought like i thought god was just had a bunch of rules and was going to tell me how to live my life and i remember thinking before i was a christian if i only have one shot then i don't want to be told how to live my life and then um, becoming a Christian, I was ready to like, you know, swallow the pill that, okay, I'm going to listen to God and I'm going to obey God and I'm going to do what he says because I want to get right with him. Um, I just felt this like, I felt being pulled from both sides and I wanted mm -hmm. to be on the good side and on the right side and the side that lives, right? And yeah. um, I remember approaching the Bible almost in like a cynical way. Like if there's something that he tells me to do that's bad for me, then I'm out. If he tells me that there's going to be stuff to like, uh, essentially, I just put it that way. Mm -hmm. If if he suggests to do something that's going to cause me harm or cause problems with, you know, people in my life, then I'm out. And and then I, I look at everything God says to do and everything God says not to do. And since practicing that obedience, I've just noticed that uh, there's just blessings and actual abundant life when you come to God and you repent of your sins and you are obedient to him because everything he says to do is a blessing and everything he says mm -hmm. not to do is a blessing. 
and I'm, I'm still kind of reaping the r fruit and reward of my sin from before Christ. There's still problems that kind of cr crop up from the stuff that I had done. You know what I mean? Yep. And so it's, uh, it's unfortunate, but I don't want to look back and I don't want to continue to commit sin because I, I can just live an abundant life with blessings and just grace from God. And um, yeah, yeah. It's, I, I wish people would look into the things God is saying to do and not to do and just examine it for your own like self. Like, is this what he's saying? Is it a good thing or a bad thing? And then not to play games like uh, like one of the things is like telling a lie. You know what I mean? And like you might dance around that philosophically and be like, well, it's OK to do this sometimes. And then, like uh, it just causes problems the more you tell lies and then mm -hmm. those lies snowball and then you just reap that, you know, yep you're gonna you're always sowing seeds no matter what you do you're sowing seeds so you can either sow seeds to the flesh and reap corruption or you can sow seeds to the spirit and reap everlasting life and i've really noticed that for myself i just gotta it just just practicing obedience it can be hard but i've noticed it doesn't cause problems it's just uncomfortable to my flesh in the moment but yeah <laughs> well and I, I think a lot of people have this belief that outside of christ they're free and the reality is that you're not Right. Like couldn't be farther from the truth. Yeah. Yeah. And and I know that at the time, I'm sure you were under that delusion. And, and thank God you've been disabused of that. <laughs> um, yeah. But, uh, you know, just for those of you out there who aren't Christians, if you've listened this long, praise God, uh, you know, just know that there you are serving something greater than yourself, no matter what. It's either going to be, you know, uh, your emotions and the whims that your your body has. And you're going to just follow those desires wherever they lead, which is really ultimately of the devil. Or you can decide to to follow Jesus Christ, the one who created you and the one who knows how to use you the way that he created you to be. And, and so either way, you have to submit yourself to something. You might as well submit yourself to the creator of the universe that wants to to use you in the proper way to 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 fill to uh, to do his will. Right. Like. There is no better use for you than the way that God's going to use you. And I, I agree. And it's it's such a delusion to think like, oh, if I just live my life the way I want to live my life, that's actually freeing. When in, in reality, you're actually under bondage. Mm -hmm. Like if if you're somebody that drinks all the time, I'm not saying like as a Christian, you can't have like a beer once in a while or like like a glass of wine or something. But if you're somebody that like it, drinks every day gets drunk all the time you're, you're you're taking away from yourself in ways that you can't even see or if you do drugs you're just wasting your time if you're all wrapped up in your job and your money you're just mm -hmm. it, it, what is it for like that's that's kind of been something that has been messing with me is just the the whole money thing and just stressing out about my my living situation and like my car um, having like just registration problems and like all this other stuff and it's like you know, Jesus says each day has its own worry. And if I constantly worry about the things in the future, I'm just taking away from the time that I have now and not not being able to be at peace and not be able to spend time with my wife and enjoy myself and all that kind of stuff. And it just yeah. um, anything that you're into more than God, it's just going to it's actually taking away from you. It's just really, really hard to see it because your flesh is like happy and comfortable. And so you get this false sense, false sense of like, um, freedom when it actually you're under uh, extreme bondage and mm -hmm. you have to kind of come to the end of yourself like 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 kind of like Solomon just realizing that everything is just vanity it's all meaningless and pointless if it's outside of God drinking having a bunch of money if you played out to the extreme like if you had all the alcohol in the world or 
all the drugs in the world or all the money in the world or all the this or that in the world like what is it really for what does it really do for you like it's mm -hmm. not making your life better it's it's taking away from your life and again you don't really see it because you're under that bondage but christ there is hope and forgiveness in christ and those chains can be broken and you'll snap out of it one day and realize wow i've wasted so much of my life i've wasted so much of my time chasing after uh, a feeling a dopamine hit money and it's just it, it's a nowhere road really you know? yep well and, and you know it's there like like you were saying there is so much freedom once you give your life over to christ like all of those things that that you used to distract yourself with they're, they're just not necessary in the same ways and and you fill your life with other other christians who are absolutely amazing you know you're you're an incredible friend uh christian's an incredible friend like i have so many incredible friends at calvary chapel like you know it, it, your life is so much more full of meaning and joy and you know socialization and, and just everything else that a human being needs to live a, a flourishing life it's better when you're doing it with the lord than when you're not okay like you you have a like let, let, even disciplining your children if you're properly living a christian life you you're teaching them that there's a god that they're responsible to and so you don't you're not even just disciplining them cuz i said so you're disciplining them cuz god said so right like being able to come at a kid and actually have answers to their questions is an incredible advantage that christian parents have when a kid asks why don't i lie you can say because god said not to it causes these problems you know you reap what you sow and you, you have a baseline to teach them from. Whereas most parents who aren't Christians, they they don't have that baseline. They don't have that as a, you know, as a help, right? It, Christianity, more more than anything else, is a help to your life. It's not a burden. Yeah, and um, something about uh, he who spares the rod hates their, their kid. Essentially, like, if you, if you refuse to discipline your kids, it's actually, like... A form of hate and there's so many stories mm -hmm. of people that actually said i wished my my dad would have you know like pushed back or i wish my parents would have like disciplined me more because they end up going like they end up just for lack of a better phrase they're just like a menace to society and yep. then they end up causing a bunch of problems and then those problems all come back to them at some point and they're like dang my life is in a place where if like my parents would have straightened me out, I would have not been dealing with this. Cause then you look at people who aren't doing these crimes or aren't doing these things. And you're like, wow, they, they're kind of successful. They seem happy. <laughs> They've got stuff going on for them. And I'm over here getting into fights, getting drunk all the time, messing with my money, spending it on dumb things. And it's like, man, I wish I was straightened out when I was younger. Yeah. And then it, it kind of comes down to like, if, if you love like it again, like what Joe said, it's like the, the least loving thing you can do for somebody is affirm them in your in their sin so if like mm -hmm. you if you were kind of telling me yeah austin i'm going to the bar all the time man it's such it's so fun this and that if i was like yeah dude all right cool and, and then you just kept having problems and then things started to deteriorate that's not like me actually caring about you if i was like yo Ryan, I don't think you should be doing that. And by the way, guys, Ryan's not like some <laughs> goes to the bar or anything. But um, if I didn't, if if you don't push back, when especially when you notice somebody's doing something that's bad for them, it's not loving to just brush it under the rug and let them go and fall into the trap that they've set for themselves. It's so much better to just be like, hey, I don't think that's a good idea. I don't think you should be doing that. I think that's going to cause a lot of problems. And I'm saying this because I care about you, not because yeah. I want to, you know, be a buzzkill or ruin the party, right? <laughs> I, 
I want I want you to know that like that's that's not going to be fruitful. That's just going to cause problems. So I one of the things I was saying to um to Sky is like I noticed when I was younger that the people that actually said something to me when I was doing something wrong, they actually wanted to keep me in their life because mm-hmm. there's people that won't say anything and just avoid you because you're annoying or because you do this or because you do that. If somebody actually cares and they want you in their life, they're going to tell you where to pump the brakes. You yep. know what I mean? Yep. So. Well, and, and, and ultimately that's your, your parents' job is to train you to be a functional person in society. And there are just some kids, especially little boys, at some point you, ha- you they go through all of the verbal uh, you know, uh, uh, things that your parents can do to you, put you in timeout or non-physical things that your parents can do to you. Um, and you know, some kids just need to get us get spanked, right? Like there, there is a time and a place the, 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 I think the proverb is spare the rod, spoil the child. And it's true. You know, if Something you don't, like that, yeah. if you don't have proper discipline, ultimately, if necessary leading, you know, you know, uh, uh, physical discipline where you're actually spanking, you know, children, if you don't have that, there's some kids that need it and they're going to grow up to be an absolute terror and an absolute nightmare. And, you know, there, there's a reason why we have so many, especially teenagers and, and young adults, you know, doing stupid stuff on on TikTok and making stupid videos and, you know, just horrible, horrible things. Right. Like those things are happening because their parents didn't uh, uh, properly discipline them when they were children. And it's because in a lot of to- a lot of times p- parents hands are tied. Uh, they can't do a lot of the things socially that used to be acceptable. And, you know, a lot of times they just don't want to because our society is incredibly soft. You know, we this generation hasn't had a, a, a group of men that have been drafted into war. You know, we, we've just we've never starved. We have lived such completely, you know, just completely uh, soft wives easy. that have been catered to us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We can go to a supermarket. I, Austin, there's literally people out there that think that milk comes from the grocery store. Okay. Like they make it there or something? Like it just magically appears there and they go and get it and then go home. They they have no concept of a farm or any of that. It's insane. There's literal human beings that were so... Uh, their parents cared so little about them that they were able to make it to like 18, 20 years old without knowing that. Okay? And again, that's not a discipline problem. But it also is kind of a discipline problem because they weren't studying. Those The kid didn't go and learn what they needed to learn in school if you don't know that the farm makes your food and that somebody had to go out and do back-breaking labor to, like, lift bales of hay and corral steers to make sure you could get a steak on your table. Okay. That's a, a lot of the reason why people have no problem with certain taxes and things mm-hmm. that have to do with agricultural stuff. And it gets to the point where it's like until you realize like, oh, there's like everything on the shelves are like triple the price. Oh, it's because I voted in this tax that says, oh, you you got to save water or you got to limit electricity or you like some dumb laws that just make it so much harder for farmers to be farmers. Mm-hmm. And it, for a lot of the people now in in like the, the I would I don't, I don't want to blame the newer generations, I would just say uninformed people or disconnected people, they don't realize that there's so much that goes into providing for their lifestyle. And until it becomes a problem for them directly, they're not going to 
look into anything. Mm -hmm. They're just going to allow it to be a problem until they can't afford it or this social problem or this social, um, what am I trying to say? Like when you get like free money, uh, social programs, when you get like free money from the government Mm -hmm. and this and that, and like basically until it really hits the fan, they're not going to be like, oh, dang, like, why is this expensive? Oh, it's because in order for the, the farmers to be able to grow this, you know, you know, get it into some way that they can ship it to us, drive it to us, all that kind of other stuff. Like the, the biggest thing is like gas prices. I mm-hmm. mean, if gas prices go up, you don't think that the food that comes from the farm that gets <laughs> shipped to the distribution center. And that's not even like it, it has like multiple stops before it gets to the grocery store. Mm-hmm. So if gas yeah. goes up, the food goes up. If if you're taxing water usage, then the food goes up. If you're ta- like if you're like just all kinds of stuff, and well, then it ends up people people will just pull out of those situations, and then you're like, oh, I don't have this anymore, or this is way too expensive <laughs> for me. But well, yeah. and, the, and I think a a big broader problem, not specifically even focusing on agriculture, but the types of people that don't know that food comes from a farm and not in the grocery store, they're also the kind of people that don't understand that taxes come from politicians and that. If you if you elect a Democrat, they're going to let your city go to ruin like they they literally can't piece those two things together. (laughs) They literally don't know that by voting for the Democrat, they're voting for their city to go down the toilet. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like, you know, that meme of the uh, the the comedian. uh, He I can't remember his name, but he has the he's got a gun and he's shooting a guy in in a chair. And he's like, why'd you do this to yourself? No, no, I, I, I don't uh, actually know that one. Let me see that. What's uh, the whole? Basically, it's uh, uh, but basically, uh, basically the the whole problem is they're electing Democrats that are going to destroy their cities, um, you know, and, and they're doing it to themselves without re- even realizing it. Have you have you recently heard about the whole hashtag walk away thing? Um, like from the, the Democrats? Yeah. Yeah, actually, I, uh, I knew some people that did walk away back in, like, 2016, 2017. Um, so I, uh, I was in college back then, and I was in the college Republicans, and at that point, uh, because Trump had won, we had had a huge influx of people into our, uh, our college Republican club. And so we were getting like 40, 50 people at our meetings on Tuesdays. It was crazy. And a number of them were uh, people that had gone over to the Democrat club. And basically what they thought of as Democrat beliefs and ideals uh, ultimately weren't. Because the Democrat party had moved so far to the to the left that, you know, the people that, you know, there's people because there's a lot of people that are for some amount of abortion but not abortion up until birth but the democrat party at this point is abortion up until birth is completely acceptable yeah the the kid can afterwards too you know the kid can be doing jump ropes with the umbilical cord and the doctor can still kill him here in california is what they'd want i don't know if they can but um you know they obviously very few people are that radical and so those positions got super radicalized and, and, and all of these people started coming to our college Republican meetings that were like, I was a Democrat last year, but they're crazy. <laughs> That's I got yeah, that so many times. That And that was what, seven years ago? That's not yeah. even like, 
where it's where it's at now is complete rejection of any kind of truth just mm -hmm. absolute wickedness complete delusion and um just swaths of people are waking up and just realizing like oh this is wrong and um my yeah. party doesn't believe what i believe anymore and then you find out that like it, it it's just crazy it, it, instead of thinking about it among party lines we 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 do, we it's i just wish we would like elect politicians or elected different people that cared about the stuff that we cared about because i know a lot of people like the whole phrase um like vote blue and and just things like that and it's just like so you just want to vote for people in your party because they're in your party and you don't i don't think a lot of people give heed to the idea that like even with um, Republicans, there are rhinos that are actually like Democrats and stuff like that, and they just like list themselves as like Republicans, and then they absolutely don't have um, the stuff that you care about on their mind. Like for me, I want America first policies where we we take care of our own people and we deal with our own issues before we give money to other nations and before we do other things. Like we gotta take care of our own schools and our own just mm -hmm. everything before we start uh, dumping money at other causes that have nothing to do with us just because like we want to be seen as people that care well, then care about your own country you know and yeah. once we get to a point where we've solved a lot of our problems then we can be like okay well we've cleaned ourselves up what else can we do and then that would be like totally acceptable but when we have lots of problems like i, I don't know why there's just so many like <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of things I could talk about. Yeah, but. well, I, you know, when when I was younger, you know, back in high school and my first couple years in in college, I was a, uh, I was a lot closer to like a neocon, um, you know, than what I am. What does that today. mean? What is uh, putting neo in front of stuff? So ne neo is, is a, a, it's either a Greek or Latin prefix that means new, so it just means a new conservative. It's the Cool is it way. different than traditional conservatives? Like, if you're saying you're a neoconservative, are you changing conservatism, or are you just literally a new conservative? Yeah. So uh, the neocons had a had a uh, is bu it's Bush Bush basically. So uh, the neocons were all about coming in, and uh, you know they they tried to get they, they got us into war in Afghanistan, and then you know how randomly we were just all of a sudden at war with Iraq. That was a neocon thing. Their whole thing was, we need to go and preemptively strike uh, our enemies. We need to be the world police. We need to be, you know, going and being very active on the world stage to accomplish our goals as Americans. So they're a very, it was kind of like a, the way I'd describe it today, it's basically globalist republicanism. So there, there's still a lot. Uh, John McCain was probably the last big, like, neocon politician that i would say obviously there's still a lot of them that are in office but they're not as big as he was so bush was a neocon cheney his vice president was a neocon and then uh like i said mccain trump definitely is not a neocon he's what's called a populist so he's so trump's very much more let's take care of the country let's make sure that we've got our house in order before we go out and start telling the rest of the world how they should live we should be taking care of ourselves first. Basically, what you were just saying is... Uh, yeah, that's kind of how yeah. I feel. <laughs> yeah. And so that used to be all of politics. Most politicians, you know, in 1900 were populists. They they couldn't care less what we went and did on the world stage. They would have been all about taking care of us here at home. But you also have to look at, you know, what does taking care of us mean? They wouldn't have been for a lot of the, you know... Uh, 
social programs that we're that we're implementing today and, and a lot of the other things. But we can kind of I don't know if we want to go down the, the political rabbit hole too far here. Uh, no, I, all, all I kind of think about that is like because business because like we're a capitalist like country and business is such a huge thing here. I, I think that like I don't know if that the government should be taking care of like all the social issues in the world when like businesses could pop up and make money taking care of those issues and actually like solve problems and stuff like that you know yeah uh and i just looked it up so i can give you guys a technical definition what google says uh neoconservative is it's a uh ideology relating to or denoting a return to a modified form of a traditional viewpoint in particular a political ideology characterized by an emphasis on free market capitalism and an interventionist foreign policy. So they want free markets to exist. They want uh, there to be no tariffs anywhere in the world. They want free trade globally. And they want to go in and intervene in places that aren't allowing them to have free trade. <laughs> Basically okay. is kind of how it works. So I I used to be a lot more on board with that, especially you know back in 2003, uh, I was all gung-ho, hoorah, America. You know, let's go and invade those commies. I, you know, I didn't know, really know anything about them. But uh, today, I'm I'm definitely not at all like that anymore. I I could not possibly have switched any any harder than I did. Because, like, it's just such an evil ideology to, to think that the United States can go in and, and militarily conquer or mess with other governments or you're clandestinely, like, through, our, through the CIA, go and topple governments. It's just evil, right? Like... The, you know, if we were to go in and, and, and topple over a dictator and then just kind of like, I don't know, there, there there's no good way of oh. doing it, but. I think this thing is going to play really quick. Hold on. <laughs> Man, good catch. <laughs> oh, do we want to watch the second one or, or what? I guess we still had that other uh, video. Yeah, that's the last to. one. That's the, that's a, this is a good uh, time to do yeah. that. Yeah, want to just switch over that. Sorry about the hard, hard jump there, but yeah, Neocon. Kind of explained that, and now we're gonna go watch another YouTube video from uh, As It Is Written. Let me see if I can get to that. Give me, can you give me like sixty seconds? Maybe yeah. Like, let me be right sure. back. One sec. Um. But yeah. So, how's everybody doing tonight? I I'm glad that I have this opportunity to talk to you guys by myself without that other guy, Austin. You know, always getting in the way. No, I'm joking. Um. But yeah. So, uh, you know, I'm just here tonight. Uh, trying to share the gospel. It's been a lot of fun. I've been making a lot of YouTube shorts recently. Uh, so I, what I try to do with my YouTube shorts is take something that's going on in pop culture. I listen to a lot of podcasts. So a lot of Joe Rogan, Jordan Peterson, you know, those kinds of people. I'll take some of their guests and I'll cut out what they had to say in the podcast and then use that as a little short, you know, that I uh, put my own little message on usually. And it's been incredible seeing the response that I've gotten. You know, I've I've been getting a little bit better at it here and there. And, uh, you know, I'm just always amazed at how God uses you once you decide to start uh, allowing him to, right? So he's he's been able to use me to literally get millions of views on, on videos. And, and, you know, again, that's not that's not me. That's his message that's being spread. That's That's the gospel that's being shared. So... All right, did I vamp long enough there for you, Austin? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Back All right. It. Okay, cool. The last thing I was going to say um, on the last topic that we were talking about was mm -hmm. um, I don't think we should get involved unless 
um the the powers that be in another country ask for it like hey can we can you we have a huge problem with this issue can you like send your national guard can you send some of your military can we have some of your navy like and then of course you just pay for it right and then yeah. um uh, it's it, it could be a transactional thing but yeah we don't we don't need to like go and um get involved with other countries because then people end up hating us and mm -hmm. demonizing I, I, us it's the the real problem that i have is it's so uh it, it, it basically it's just an excuse for us to go in and do something that we want to go do when we go in and, and try to you know help people's human you know with their human rights abuses and stuff so like let's take a, a real current example right now so we have china evil horrible communist country millions of people get murdered there by their own government all the time the uyghurs are being genocided that whole thing is just horrible the, the country is just horrible okay it's the largest country on earth, and they're completely evil and the worst possible government you could possibly imagine. So that exists, but we're going into Iraq to topple over Saddam Hussein for some reason. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, actual yeah. genocide, actually something we probably should go in and stop and put a stop to and take out that horribly evil government of a billion people, okay? That's genociding their people, harvesting organs, just... The most insane, horrifically evil things you could imagine. That's China. We don't do anything to them. We actually send them our manufacturing and give them money and resources. But Iraq, who, again, had some abuses and some civil rights stuff going on for sure, but not to the level that China was or is currently. And it's so it's just we're going and doing things where we want to and using that as an excuse and a justification to go do it, not because it's the actual right thing to do yeah that makes sense uh, there yeah uh, there's human rights issues going on in like china and i when i learned about them i was like i was pretty horrified and um it's sad what their their people have to go through and um i i'm so thankful for the the chinese people that immigrated over here and actually um real like got to see wh what america was like because they're told that we're just evil and we hate them and all this kind of stuff. And then mm -hmm. it's it, then they come here and find out, oh, they, they leave me alone here and I can like <laughs> start a business and live my life here. And it's <laughs> yeah. So it's well, really and, nice. and I really my my heart goes out to the the Christians in China. Right. They, they're the most persecuted people on the planet at the moment. Uh, and, you know, we should be we should be praying like crazy for them. They're they're just suffering horribly, being killed and murdered and having their organs harvested and put in prison and and it can happen at any moment it's it's a complete travesty and you know this is one of the places where i 150 percent call out the catholic church uh the catholic church has actually made deals with the chinese to allow a ccp okayed version of catholicism to operate and exist inside of china and the the actual catholics that were in the country before they made this deal have all got thrown under the bus. Got thrown under the bus, and it, it's it's just completely insane. I know that they're changing the Bible. Uh, that was mm -hmm. something that my wife reported to me. And, yeah, that's um, they, that. It's it's really bad. That's part of what I'm talking about. So as part of the CCP okay version of Catholicism and Christianity, there is a there is a sanitized Bible that they that I don't know if the Catholic Church helped them to make it. But the Catholic Church in China has to use it. <laughs> yeah, and it's just it's basically, 
you have to like report what you're going to preach on you have to um, and they tell you what you're going to preach on and if you don't do that you basically either lose your license get arrested or disappear so yep. it's um yep and it's really crazy so just be praying for those in china uh there was a video of a guy uh, I, that i made a couple like a month or two ago and you know he he's a pastor and he was talking about how either another pastor or one of his parishioners just disappeared the the government just came and took him and they don't know if he's in prison they don't know if he's been killed or tortured or lord knows what and it, you they know don't have to tell you anything nope <laughs> nope it's it's sad so be praying for him the the bible or sorry the gospel spreads the fastest and the quickest where it's the most persecuted the the best form of evangelism is that guy that got arrested I, I i hope that he still professed christ and the fact that he's still disappeared he probably did and you know that witness to whoever it was that was doing those things to him is huge you know when you stand firm for christ even when you're going to be killed or murdered or beaten you know that's that's why the gospel spread that's why jesus christ was the is the one that we still know today when there are dozens of other failed messiahs that came that tried to come out of israel okay so the reason jesus christ survived and, and his story is still told today is because he was the real deal yeah are you gonna allow yourself to be murdered for a lie nope that was not. like that was the biggest thing about christ resurrection uh, resurrected and mm -hmm. appearing to his followers and everybody's telling um like the jews at the time like peter and paul and all those other people were telling people like preaching christ resurrected and stuff like that and christ crucified and yep. if it was all a lie, if it was all a fairy tale, then why did they go to their deaths, you know, with it? You know, they would have mm -hmm. just, okay, this has gotten too hot. I'm out. <laughs> so. Well, and the, and the crazy thing is even outside of that, the, the Christians that were being lit up as torches for Nero's garden, they're, they're saying, you know, please, God, forgive them. They know not what they do. Right. Uh, you know, as the soldiers are lighting the, 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 the wood below them, you know, and, and that's where where can we find those things because i i've been really interested in looking mm -hmm. into that stuff because the only martyr i can really find in the bible is an axe and it's stephen i don't really yeah. see like anything else so in the bible itself it's not covering uh, you know it's not it's not a list of all the martyrs but there is a a book called fox's book of martyrs okay uh so i'd recommend checking that out again it's not biblical so not everything in it is inspired and accurate necessarily but just I, would, mm -hmm. I, I would imagine okay. that most of the stories in it are, are probably pretty true. But you know, I don't know that okay. for sure. Because so. I don't know anything. Because, like, I was trying to find in the Bible where, like, Paul ends up, you know, getting martyred. And he it just doesn't happen. Like, and I was trying to find out when Peter, because I heard some people were boiled. Some people were sawed in half. Mm -hmm. Some people had their heads cut off. And I was like, I wasn't finding none of that in the Bible. So I was just, I was yeah, just like, so... where did people get this information? <laughs> Um, there, there's plenty of sources that are outside of the Bible. A lot of them are, are tradition based. Uh, so some of them are, are going to be wrong. Uh, the Catholics believe that Peter at some point made it to Rome. We actually don't know that we, we don't know that Peter ever set foot in the city of Rome. Um, so there's a lot of beliefs that could be incorrect. Uh, but since it isn't included in the, in the Bible itself, but we we can have a lot of assurance that that a lot of the stories are going to be real and true. Okay. But again, it's not the Alrighty. Bible, so yeah. Yeah, right. you can't if it's extra biblical. I wouldn't uh, stake your life on it. <laughs> exactly. All right. In three, two, one.
and you do that by spreading the gospel. As a Christian, you are a priest, and it's your job to go minister to your community. Jesus Christ came, he lived a perfect life, he died for our sins, and he resurrected on the third day and ascended into heaven so that we can be sure of our salvation. So, uh... That was a band called uh, Koki, C-O-Q-U-I. I might be pronouncing that horribly incorrectly. Uh, I would highly recommend that you guys go check them out. They're a local L.A. band, and uh, they're Christians. So they uh, they have some songs, like the one you just kind of heard some of, uh, where they're talking about you know finding your zeal for the Lord and, and coming to Christ and that kind of stuff. So I highly recommend you what go check zeal? them out. What uh, is zeal? Passion. It's like a pa- it's like oh, a, okay. What's the, what's the actual definition? I don't know, but uh, while yeah. you're looking that up, um, great energy. I, uh, okay, there was um, there was a point back. I don't even know how I'm gonna phrase this, but there was a point back. I'd say a year ago, when I was kind of like, I I was already a Christian, but like let's just say like video games, right? Um, I was really really into video games, and I. <laughs> I made I made the mistake of opening my mouth and saying I wish that I wish that my desire for Jesus was as strong as my desire to play video games like and uh, the way I was talking to my friends as I was like saying I wish Jesus slapped as hard as playing <laughs> video games right and my buddy was like dude you should pray about that because Jesus wants to slap like video games right and fast forward to today, I I almost have zero satisfaction in everything that I do. If it's not like if it's not like directly reading the Bible, listening to sermons, praying to God, or just trying to like connect with Jesus, like I'm telling you, everything is losing its uh its satisfaction. Like nothing nothing <laughs> is satisfying me anymore. And it's it's funny because I uh. <laughs> I, with finding your zeal for the Lord, if you're a Christian and you feel like kind of stale about it, or you don't feel like you have that that zeal, definitely pray to the Lord and Amen. ask Him for, for a heart and a mind that thirsts and hungers after the things of Him and His Word and all that kind of stuff. And you'll, it might take some time, but man, I feel so good when I'm reading His Word. I feel so good when I'm praying. I feel so good when I'm listening to sermons and trying to understand the the Word that He has given us and and that's like the and doing like talking about god on faithful dialogues this is like this is where my heart and mind have been aligned to now and nothing else feels good anymore and like i used to dabble in many things music included and now i, I just want to like learn gospel songs and and playing guitar to for for god and stuff because i'm telling you um apart from christ now nothing feels good anymore i feel as like i'm playing video games like, dude, you're wasting your time. You are literally <laughs> deleting yep. time out of your life because you're just sitting there. You know what I mean? And so, like, I, like you, you were telling me, you should, if you're gonna play games and stuff, you should like talk about Christ while you're playing the games and use that content to put out there so it'll like engage people for for God and 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 stuff like that. And so it's, I'm just realizing that everything I do, I have to do unto the Lord, or it's mm-hmm. just gonna be emptiness, vanity, yep. and just completely empty, man. Oh, yeah. And it's funny. So I uh, a couple months back started playing Call of Duty with my buddies a lot, like probably more than I should have. And it's just been interesting how over the last couple months, like I've stopped playing that as much. 
you know, I'll come home at the end of work and instead of wanting to play that, I'll like start editing a video for AIW, like, you know, of Billy Graham or something like just you, your wants and your desires change a lot. But that doesn't mean that you're not going to backslide and have moments of your of your walk with Christ where you're not doing everything perfectly. and You kind of backslide to playing video games a little bit too much. But what you need to do as a Christian is you need to figure out how to do that unto the Lord, like Austin was saying, right? So, you know, uh, one of the things that I've done is when I do play Call of Duty, a lot of times I'll be streaming that on TikTok to a couple people that I share the gospel with while I'm doing it, you know? And, and so there's, there's opportunities to spread the gospel no matter what you're doing. It's just, uh, you know, whether or not you're thinking in that way and trying to 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 be a christian at every level of your life yeah um <laughs> there's been a there's been a couple of times where i type in chat playing rocket league that god is real he loves Amen. you jesus died for your sins and um it it was really interesting like how random like I, i'd see a lot of people and i'd get a lot of like feelings but then there'd be times to like actually do it like 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 for whatever reason I'm seeing this guy's username and it's being put on my heart that I should type to him about God. He's not saying anything at all. <laughs> and I don't know who he is behind his monitor or his TV, but something was telling me, uh, let this person know, you know, and yeah. it, it's nuts. Like, I, yeah, but yeah. <laughs> and, and, and there's still a lot of benefits to exercise, but the, the analogy that I want to make here, it's not even an analogy, but, but at, in the past, you know, we used to go out and spend a lot of time at, you know, parks, out in the open, you know, just wasting our time outside. Now, a lot of times we're wasting our time online. And I, and I think outside you could go and you could stand on your soapbox and get the gospel message out that way. What we need to start doing is realizing that there are soapboxes that we can get on here online to spread our faith and to spread the gospel to those that are in our lives the way that we actually interact today. So, like... You know, me going out and doing street preaching isn't a percent as effective as what you and I are doing right here, right now, right? There, there, there's a time and a place for it, and there's people that are gifted in that way, and I'm not, I'm not denigrating street preachers, but it's just not what I've been called to do, and I don't think it's a lot. It's what most people have been called to do in our culture today, right? We can go and we can have a, a greater impact just by doing a Facebook post that says God, you know, God wants to save you or something or posting a Bible verse like those small little things that we do can actually make a pretty big difference in somebody's life if we're just faithful enough to show up and, and, and post it. Yeah, they might just be chilling on their phone looking at stuff they normally want to look at and then they scroll up one more mm -hmm. time and here's your short telling them about how Jesus is, uh, you know, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, and he died for your sin and like it might... It might not hit everybody the same, but it'll hit the people God wants him to hit. You know, exactly. it'll speak to the people he wants him to speak to. You know, exactly. It's it's not going to save everybody. I mean, you might not ever get a single person that is directly saved from something that you do, but you're you're planting the seeds. Somebody else is going to come by and water it. Somebody else is going to come by and 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 harvest it. Right? There's there's different there's different people for every different part of the process, and so. You know, we just need to figure out what it is that we're we're supposed to be doing here while we're alive. And I think that's that I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And I hope and I pray that everybody else uh, does the same. You know, there, there's. Yeah. So. It's, it does take uh, like when you were saying planting the seeds, like 
there was there was so many seeds planted in me before I actually took and mm-hmm. and I, I just started to notice right before I became a Christian I was starting to hear the Bible being brought up in songs I was starting to hear Jesus being brought up everywhere uh, like going back to church was was on a lot of people's like minds and it was getting brought up in conversations and I, I just kind of like I don't know if, if that was seeds or God trying to get a hold of me or, or both you so, know what I mean so it was yeah, in the analogy of, of that, I would say that's the watering. So you had the one seed of the gospel got planted, and then a lot of different people came by and watered it. And it, yours just took some water and able, before it decided to sprout up and start growing into a big old plant, right? <laughs> Praise God that yeah. it did. But, uh, you know, it, there there's a lot of people that are involved in the process of bringing someone to Christ. And namely, it's Jesus at the center of all of it, of course. I'm not trying to say that any human being should take responsibility or credit for it but there's a lot of people that are involved in the process just like there's a lot of people that are involved in the farming process that (laughs) far too few people understand these days but uh you know there's a lot of people that are involved there's somebody that's got to plant it somebody's got to water it somebody's got to take care of it and tend to it and then ultimately somebody's got to harvest it and thankfully christian came by at the right time and the right place in your life and harvested you right there off the Right out of the field, right? You know, <laughs> you guys are both working at a at a factory. Yeah, it was it was really funny because I um, had been down that street one other time um, on another job. So I had uh, had a staffing agency send me to a neighboring. So like probably two businesses down from class A. Mm-hmm. And so like I knew that there was a bunch of industrial pl- places on that street. And uh, when I lost my job, I was like, well, I do know that there's that street that I had this last job on and there's a bunch of places there. So what I did was I Google mapped it and I started calling everybody starting at the corner and class A was probably the fifth call. (laughs) And um, they were the one that said, yeah, uh, come by and fill out an application and we'll see where we can use you. And it's just crazy how God works in that way. He denies me in some places and then accepts me in another place so that I would actually go and meet the right people. And, and it's just crazy. He's, uh, he is, um, how do I put this? He is, um, orchestrating things in a way that ultimately gets us to where we need to go. Oh yeah. Well, and the, you know, the other half of that story is, is Christian story and, you know, uh, he's been friends with David, the son of the owner of that shop. And, you know, he's been friends with him for 15 years or 20 years now. And so, you know, it took 10, 15 years before Christian showed up working at that shop. But he could have been there when he was 18. It just so happened that he was working there right at the time that you were there. You know, it's it's just beautiful the way that God works and, and kind of orchestrates everything to... You know, to to be able, so that you were able to hear the message and and accept it and and become a Christian, it's it's beautiful. So if somebody hears, our uh, this is this I'm gonna throw you a bone here because I'm I'm still kind of not understanding uh, what the best method to, to to approach this would be. So say somebody hears the intro of our our thing, or even right now when I when I would say uh, put your faith in Jesus Christ, there's hope and forgiveness there if you believe in His life, burial, and resurrection then you will have eternal life you'll go to heaven and somebody's like i want that i want forgiveness i want i want to go to heaven and i'm gonna do what it takes to get there what should they do like what is actually becoming a christian Mm -hmm. look like yeah so that's a you know it's a very tough question and, and something that i haven't been as clear on in the past but ultimately what it means is that you give your life over to jesus okay so 
what and I know that sounds very esoteric, but what what I mean by that is that your thoughts and your will and 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 what you want take backseat to what God and and what 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 is taught in the Bible. Okay, and, and, so read and the so, Bible. So read the Bible. Uh, but ultimately, you you need to in your in the comfort of your own will, right inside you. I can't I can't control that. I can't monitor it. But in in your own thoughts in your own heart, you need to understand that you're a sinner, that you have done things that have absolutely angered rightfully a, a just a completely just God, and that there is absolutely nothing that you can do to repay him for that. Okay, so here on Earth, if you go steal a, a loaf of bread. You could pay back the owner of that store for the loaf of bread, and you could kind of make that right. The problem is with the the crimes that we've committed; they are sins that that the stain cannot be washed away except by the blood of another sacrifice. And so, what what you need to do is you need to accept that you are a sinner. That's number one, and and then from there you can accept the salvation that Jesus Christ gave to you through his sacrifice and by accept i literally just mean decide that you believe in him and decide that you are going to follow his will for your life over your own will that that's that's what that means and and so let's take you as an example because it's it's most clear with you there was a time when you didn't know christ you didn't know god you didn't know anything about him then christian talked to you what what changed for you between not being a Christian and being a Christian, you know, like what, uh, what would you say that it was it instantaneous? Was it a, a gradual process? So uh, both. So what okay. ended up happening is when, when Christian finally told me some stuff about God, um, something in my soul was like not disagreeing. So I, a lot of times if you try to tell somebody about God or tell somebody about, you know, you got to repent and, and, and pray to God and, and accept Jesus and, mm-hmm. you know, believe in Jesus and all that kind of stuff, you're going to have some um, reservations or you're going to kind of have disagreements. And um, there was none of that. If, like I had been massively searching for truth for a long time. Like I was, um, I, I was just involved in New Age stuff. And I, mm-hmm. something in my soul was like, there's no way that this life is it and while i'm alive i know that there's something here as well so there's like the physical world and i know there's something else here why mm-hmm. do why are ghosts a thing why are <laughs> like do you know what i mean like yeah. it was uh, i'm not saying like ghosts are real there's probably a, a biblical like answer for that it's probably some demonic thing yep but what i'm what i'm getting at is i knew that there was something more to the physical world and i knew that this life isn't it something something was really speaking to me God was letting me know, like convicting me, like this is this isn't your only life that you're gonna have, and there's something more to this this world, and I was looking through for that in like New Age stuff because I felt like okay, the New Age is kind of talking about your spirit and your soul and like connecting with your spirit and soul and all the like lies that they're trying to teach you and stuff, and so like when Christian was telling me that it was in God all the stuff that like you're looking for something in me just accepted that like this is it like i don't know how to i don't know how to Mm. put that but then i started asking him tons and tons of questions what does this mean what does that mean what does god say about this what does god say about that and he did he did not flake out at all he was (laughs) telling me uncomfortable hard truths and something in me was like it it was kind of like the parent correcting you it's uncomfortable but they love you something was like something was like 
telling me, even though this is uncomfortable and hard to hear, th this this sounds right. It sounds <laughs> like a like a like a good thing. And so I I, I just kind of put it to the test. And then it just strengthened my faith the more I asked questions and the more I was skeptical about it. And, and I wasn't disagreeing with anything. I was just asking tons and loads of questions. And he was there giving me all the answers. And if he didn't have the answers, he was giving me like uh, resources to kind of look into stuff. And when I first became a Christian, there wasn't like, like I hear some people like uh, preaching on K-Wave, like some pastors and even some other just normal people basically saying once they put their faith in Jesus, like their whole life cleaned up overnight. And that was like not the case for me at all. Like the Lord was one step at a time taking things away from me. I remember just using a ton of profanity at one time. And then the Lord was kind of like making me uncomfortable with my own profanity. Like mm. I would start to say it and immediately get uncomfortable that I'm saying it. And it's not like I hadn't read the scripture yet. Like, um, let no perverse talk come out of your mouths. Let your speech be filled with grace and um, seasoned like salt and all this kind of other stuff. There's, there's plenty of passages in Proverbs and in the, in the epistles from Paul that basically talk about how you should talk and how you shouldn't talk, right? Yep. And I hadn't read those yet. So what, was, what God was doing was he was making me uncomfortable with my own sin. And like, Amen. I remember hearing, I, I remember hearing uh, Ray Comfort basically saying that God will give you a new heart and a new mind that will thirst after righteousness and the things of, of, of God. And that started to happen, but it was a very slow process, basically. And so, yeah, yeah. I, I've been talking for a while now, um, <laughs> but that, that's basically what happened is um, I, I was in agreement. It felt uncomfortable, but it felt right. And then um, the process started to begin. And um, I... Yeah, I eventually fast forward to today. I I uh, felt uncomfortable with uh, being with my at the time fiance and living in the same place and um, all and basically living in fornication. And I got heavily convicted um, to get married, and especially through you guys and my friends being like, "You guys, you got to set a date, dude. You <laughs> stop messing around. You got to set a date, or you're never yep. gonna do it." And and yep. so, yeah, and so basically everything that in my life that was. A, an immediate issue that I had to clean up. It didn't happen overnight, and I was actually kind of fighting it a little bit. And so it, um, I was like searching the scriptures, trying to find an excuse about how <laughs> I was actually married without actually being married. Do you know what I mean? And yep. um, again, God just made me really uncomfortable with my own sin, and that's kind of what the what was going on Praise there. Praise God! Yeah. So that that lines up almost perfectly with uh, with how Jesus describes things. So uh, it's in John ten. I'm going to read from uh, 25, or no, no, so 24, John 10, 24 to like 30-ish. So it says, so the Jews gathered around him and said to him, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. 25, Jesus answered them, I told you and you do not believe the works that I do in my father's name. I told you and you do not believe the works that I do in my father's name bear witness about me. But you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. And so what Jesus is describing here are a group of people that are very, very hard-hearted towards him and towards the claims that he's made. And so what he's saying is that you, even though you see the miracles that I'm doing, you, or you hear the people, you, you hear the people talking about the miracles that I've been doing, 
You hear them, you see them, they're all over the place. Even though you see the most clear witness of exactly who I am, even then you still reject me. And that's because of the hardness of their own hearts. And so, and because they weren't, the sh they weren't sheep of Jesus. And so if you truly desire to find God, to find who he is and, and what he's done in this universe, you're going to ultimately, when you hear Jesus, like what, like what happened with you, you heard him and you realized that it was just the truth. You still fought against it a little bit and you still tried to wiggle out of, you know, getting out of a lot of the, some of the sins that you were in, of course. But ultimately you heard his voice and you knew that was your shepherd, right? You knew that was your yeah. shepherd and that he had come and he had picked you up and he's in the process of bringing you back to the fold. And so, you know, you responded to that. And so someone who is hearing this, I hope that they are hearing Jesus's voice through me and that they respond to that like a sheep responds to their shepherd. And so that's ultimately that's how you get saved is you you humble yourself down to the point where you, you understand that you're nothing compared to God and that you need him to come save you. And, and you, you need to ask him to do it, right? You need to have faith in him to do it, and he needs and he's going to come and do it for you. And so that's, I don't know if that's the clearest explanation. It's, uh, personally, I'm not a fan of praying the sinner's prayer. Uh, I know there's a lot of pastors that will end sermons and end things by, by praying a prayer that basically says that, you know, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I've done things that you hate and that you, you know, detest. But I pray that you come into my heart and that I that you change my life and that you save me and, and you know, all the things that are in the sinner's prayer. I, I'm not a fan of that because it's not just some one-time thing that somebody can just think and now you're saved, right? Becoming a Christian is a much more intense thing than that. That's why there is the, uh, the, 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 the that's why there is baptism, okay? So while it doesn't save you, from the consequences of your sins, just getting dunked in water. What it is is it's a symbol of the of the commitment that you've made. And so it's a, a way that you can, you know, it's a sign to the community that you've given your life over to Jesus Christ. And so you can be, you're, you're saved before you get baptized because of the faith that you have. But the, the baptism is a profession of that faith, a, a sign for you and for the rest of the community that you've accepted Jesus Christ as your savior. And so... There isn't some one event, is what I'm saying. Is it's it's a, it's you you're you're getting into a relationship with Jesus. Yeah, um, I I kind of I understand what you're saying, and I I do agree. Um, you can't just pray a prayer and then live your life like a devil and be like, well, I prayed this sinner's prayer, you know. It's well, but what I will say is, it might actually. It, it, for a lot of people, it might have been the start of a of a genuine faith. Yeah, yeah, but I'm for not. For a lot of yeah. people, it might have been their um, their like trump card where they think, "Oh, well, I I have Jesus, I'm fine." Like you know what I mean? Like, yeah. They pull it out of their back pocket at the mm -hmm. last minute and go, "Well, I prayed the sinner's prayer." For for other people, it's like I can remember all the way back when I said that first prayer and I I asked Jesus to be my savior and then I started a life from there of following of God and stuff like that. Yeah. But I do see what you're saying. And I, I think that, you know, we're called and, and this has uh, 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 so we're called as Christians to be uh, what some call fruit inspectors. Have you heard that term before? I heard it from you. OK, no, but, so uh, <laughs> um, so I'm not the one that came up with that. But basically what 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 it says in the Bible is that when you become a Christian after you've been saved, 
one of the signs that that's the case is that you start producing good works in your life. Okay, and it's really God producing the good works in your life, but you're you're going to start doing things that are good and that are are for and benefiting the uh, the community of uh, that Christ has put you in. Um, that those works don't save you, but they're evidence of your salvation. Okay, just like the fruit that comes off of a tree isn't the thing that saves the tree; it's the evidence that it's a healthy tree. It's a, the evidence that it's a tree that is in its proper place and, and doing its proper things, okay? So a, a human being, if you have rightly aligned yourself with Jesus Christ the way that you were created to, you will then start to produce good works. And so for someone who's concerned about their salvation, number one, you, you, you need to humble yourself and, and give your life over to Jesus Christ. But once you've done that, what you'll see is, is what happened in your life. You started to produce these good works. You started to turn away from the sins that were in your life. And, you know, I'm, maybe you don't notice it as much, but, like, you, were, you are on fire with sharing the gospel. With every Tom, Dick, and Harry you could, you could get talking to, <laughs> you're sharing the gospel. And I would assume that wasn't something you were doing the day before you accepted Jesus, right? Like, you weren't yeah. out, right? And so you'll see in your life that your wants and your desires and, and things start to change. And, and, and it can be a slow process. This I'm not saying that if this doesn't happen immediately, once you say the sinner's prayer, you're not saved and you'll never be saved. It, it, it's a slow process. Um, and it's part of, there's, there's three. So there, there's one word salvation, but there's three different phases of salvation. Okay. So the first phase of salvation is called justification. So that's a big word for you being righteous in God's eyes, okay? So at the moment of justification, you are saved from the consequences of your sins, and God sees you as he sees Jesus Christ. And so that happens the moment that you accept him completely into your heart and you serve him as your Lord for the rest of your life. So that's justification. That is a completed thing. That is a completed work that happened in the past, hopefully for all Christians. Uh, well, I guess if you are a Christian, it happened in the past, not hopefully. The second part of it is called sanctification, and that's the, that's the process that you and I are part of right now. And sanctification is a process where every single day we become a little bit more and more and more like Christ, okay? So day one, you're not going to be as mature of a Christian as you are the, the day that you die. So... Through that process, you are going to start shedding off the sinful desires, the sinful nature that you have, and, and you're going to start acting more and more like Christ. And so that's the, the second part of salvation. So you're completely saved when you're justified. That's a one-time completed thing. It's not based on you or anything that you do or anything, any work that you do. It's based off of your faith. That's all you have to contribute is your faith in Jesus. Sanctification, you have to work at. You are supposed to go and read your Bible. You're supposed to pray. You're supposed to fast. There's a lot of things that as a Christian we're supposed to be doing. You're supposed to go to church that will help you along the process of sanctification. And that'll help you to grow and be more like Christ. And then ultimately the third and final, I don't know if phase is the right term, but the third and final part of salvation is called glorification. And that's when we are taken up to be with God in heaven. And so... 99 in a glorified state. Yes. And so 99.9% .9 of people, that means that you're going to die for a very select few that exist in the rapture. It means that you get raptured up into heaven. So 
the, I, I hope that that kind of answers some questions. Again, I believe that you can be saved instantaneously. I believe that you can just decide to turn your life towards Christ, and then immediately you are saved. You can, If you died the second after that, you would be in heaven with Jesus, and that's what we see with the thief on the cross, right? He didn't do anything. He didn't do any works. The only thing that the thief on the cross did was he professed with his mouth that Jesus it. is Lord, and he believed in his heart that Jesus was going to rise from the dead, right? He hadn't risen yet, but he, he had to have had that as a as part of his belief right is that jesus was going to be able to save him so you know when he said like lord uh don't forget me when you come into your kingdom right mm -hmm. and so he's recognizing yes. right there that you're the messiah you're the lord and, and so, that he's got power over death right he is recognizing that jesus christ and the sacrifice that he's making here on the cross is so powerful that it's going to overcome the thing that takes us all right and so you know he is a very good picture of what salvation means. It can happen instantaneously. You can just decide to follow Jesus, but that doesn't mean that you did necessarily because you prayed a prayer. Does that make sense? Yeah, it, it's it's not what you say. It's what you believe and what you think, right? It's your faith. And and what you say, what you think, what you believe, what I would say is the same as your faith. Those, those are mm -hmm. practically synonyms. So on that this is a perfect segue into the 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 Christianity Today article in the in the James too. Yes, we actually, read. it is, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Pull that up here. Just give me two seconds. Bible web page. Okay, let's go take a look. Uh oh, everything got all messed up. Of course. Do you want me to start reading it while you get that? While you get that going, or do you want uh, to I would like them to be able to see oh, okay. the web page, but it's not on the right thing, even though it worked when I started. Okay, here we go. <laughs> uh, OBS. Oh, well. So, uh, no, I need to get you back up. There we go. And let's see, maybe this is what broke it. Okay. All right, there we go. So uh, we're at. Oh, we need to go to. Oh, so you're gonna start with reading the article, and then we'll switch to James two, starting in verse. Yeah, 14. yeah I, I don't have the article. I gotta go grab that real quick. Sorry. You're good. No worries. Uh, where did you topic... Where did you share the article? In your personal messages. Okay. Thank you. Yep, it's that bad boy right there. Oh. I, I okay. I'm also assuming that on my end, I'm seeing a different thing than what is on your end. Uh, no, you're seeing basically the same thing. Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. All right. Cool. I can't do that. Okay. Uh, all right, cool. So uh, if you can read the headline, <laughs> uh, you can hopefully see the thing that I had a problem with. Uh, Austin, do you want to read it? Do you want me to? It, I'll read it, okay. Um, and then you can read the the scriptures that we've got going. Sounds um, good. So basically, this is from ChristianityToday.com, um, and just seeing this article, I don't know that I'm probably going to come to this website for controversial stuff to talk about on the podcast <laughs> rather than actually like uh, tune into the stuff that they're writing. But it says Jesus paid it all, 
there's still so much we owe Ugh. so <laughs> it, it's it's just this is heavily going to be uh pushing works and yeah. you can see that they're talking about a book called doctrine of good works and so one thing that me and Ryan were talking about on another episode, and we'll just go ahead and bring it up again, that like good works is like a one-two step. You, you, you basically put your faith in Jesus Christ and you give your life over to him. And then because of the faith that you have and the salvation that you have, then the good works start to flow out of you because of God. And it's not, mm -hmm. it's not the other way around. You don't do good works to get salvation. And, and all, basically, it's a result of your salvation. Because you're saved and because you've given your life to Christ, then the good works start coming out of you. And that's what James talks about in James 2, 14. And so, so we're going to read this article. So yeah, go ahead. Uh, just real quick, before we get into it, I, I just want to make sure we cover this really well. Uh, not that you didn't. But uh, just to describe what... What it what it, the way that it works is in the the parables that Jesus uses he he likens our our faith to a tree and so or our our salvation to a, a tree okay and so before we're saved we're completely dead we're dead wood completely incapable of producing anything good whatsoever once we've accepted our uh, the free gift of salvation from Jesus Christ he breathes life into us. He revives that tree. Let's say call it an apple tree. He revives the apple tree. And then once that happens, the apple tree is then capable of starting to produce good fruit. Okay? So as an unsaved person, as someone who hasn't been regenerated by Jesus Christ and the, the sacrifice that he made on the cross, you are incapable of doing good works. Okay? And so there is no amount of good, there's no amount of work that you can do that can pay off the debt that you owe. And so just this headline off rip is just the worst. Jesus paid it all. So it, sa it says Jesus paid it all, but then claims there's still so much we owe. I don't owe anything, okay? I don't owe anything to Jesus except my, my, my service, I guess, but, but I don't owe him anything that doesn't save me, okay? It doesn't save me. It, it, it... So yeah, well, uh, let's get into it now and uh, you, can, you can start reading, so. All right, here we go. So this article starts out, I recently had a gospel conversation with an agnostic woman who is seriously considering the claims of Christ. On a purely intellectual level, she finds the Christian worldview compelling. She admits that Christian theism offers a better rational explanation of the natural world and a better grounding for moral virtue than the more rigid brand of atheism she formerly espoused. And I would agree with that too. Um, but a deeper, more existential issue bothers her still. Some years ago, when she went through a very public personal crisis, none of the people in her life who professed to be Christian said or did anything to minister to her. And that's unfortunate. Mm -hmm. it, I, was, I was very clearly crying out for help, she says, but none of the Christians I know offered to lift a finger or even an encouraging word to help me in my time of need. Like many other like many others in our secular age, this woman grew disenchanted with the version of Christian faith that is often talked about but rarely lived out in practice. And that's true. Mm -hmm. Like the Apostle James, she could ask, what good is it if someone claims to have faith but does not have works? James 2.14, and we're going to read that. Unfortunately, many within the American evangelicalism practice what Dietrich Bonhoeffer called cheap grace. Since Christ has paid it all, they act as if nothing is owed, no repentance, obedience, or service to neighbor. The authors of the Doctrine of Good Works, Recovering and Neglected Protestant Teaching, seek to expose the flawed theological assumptions behind this type of negligent Christian witness. 
good works the author insists are actually an, an integral to the good news. That's an issue. Joint, uh, I mean, only the only so, the good news or the good works that Christ has done, right? I, I again, it, it it all depends on. So, the issue I have so far in this article is they didn't start off by actually explaining what the issues at hand are. Okay, so it's not that. I uh, yeah, ba basically, the uh. The, the issue is that, like we just stated, good works should flow from your faith. So these people that aren't, that supposedly, I, first off, I 100% disbelieve anything that this woman has to say. I just, I know people, I know I've had so many people who are not Christians go through the same kind of problems, and then... They, they they don't see the help that the Christians were trying to offer because they were trying to offer help from a Christian perspective, potentially. Does that make sense? And that I, wasn't what they were looking for, for help, yeah. Exactly. So I don't, I don't know what her story is exactly. I don't know everything about it, okay? I can't, I can't go back and witness those events that she's talking about. But as, as an unsaved person, why am I just going to believe her story that all these supposed Christians in her life completely failed her and didn't lift a finger to help her in her time of need. What they, what's possible, it's possible they could have said, hey, here's the gospel, here's what we believe, and then not given her the money th that she thought she needed or given her the emotional support that she thought she needed or something. I, I, I don't know. I'm not claiming that she's lying. I don't know. She might not understand that she's not telling the truth. She could be telling the truth. There's, there's a lot of possibilities here. But to just take her story at, at face value without looking at it in at any kind of depth whatsoever is a bit it, it, it's kind of maybe that goes into it in the rest of the article. But I, I just you could be misled. I'm yeah. skeptical. I am skeptical of every aspect of the story. <laughs> uh, I should you should be skeptical of everything, uh, even Christianity. But Christianity is the only thing that that passes the skeptical test. But um. I, I okay, so let, let's let's reread this here. An agnostic woman who is seriously considering the claims of Christ, world Christian worldview is compelling. So, the the issue I have here, I'm gonna kind of nitpick a little bit. Um, so she finds the quote Christian worldview compelling. What about the quote? What is a what is the Christian worldview if it doesn't involve Jesus Christ and accepting His gospel? Okay, I don't even know what the Christian worldview is without that. So I don't know how the Christian worldview could even be compelling. So we're, we're, we're reading an article not from USA Today or some secular news, news uh, organization, okay, where I could understand that they have those, where they have those like problems theologically. Well, no, they just, they wouldn't be coming at it from Christian, from a Christian perspective, but we're coming but this is from Christianity today. They're coming at this from a Christian perspective. They should understand that there is no such thing as a Christian worldview that doesn't involve Christ. Okay? So she doesn't find Jesus compelling. She finds some third nonsensical thing compelling that they're reporting as if it's a thing. There is no such thing as a Christian worldview without Christ. So I don't even know what she's finding compelling because unless you find it compelling that Jesus Christ came, died, resurrected for your sins, 
What uh, what else could be compelling about it? Uh, it? She's saying she admits that the Christian theism offers a better rational explanation of the national natural world and a better grounding for moral virtue than the more rigid brand of atheism she formerly espoused. But Buddhism, Hinduism, uh, you know, all sorts of uh, J JWs, all of them have that same uh, have that same not the same grounding, but have a grounding of moral virtue. Does that make sense? She doesn't. Ha she she doesn't necessarily like the Christian worldview. It should say the religious worldview. She finds the religious worldview compelling, and so I don't. Again, back to back to this. She's she's not a Christian, but we're going to take her testimony as if it's true, and we're going to try to. Uh, what I do when I'm reading these articles is I try to look at things as if I was her. So I'm her, and I'm saying that these Christians didn't help me in my time of need. My my understanding and the Christians that I'm around absolutely would have helped her in her time of need. So, again, was she around Christians? Was she around Catholics? Was she around JWs? Was she around Mormons? These are all groups that she could be classifying as Christian. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so what, what group, what denomination is it? You know, uh, was it a Saddleback church that didn't help? Was it a mega church that they all went <laughs> to? Uh, these are no, seriously, these are all questions like. Like, it, you can't just say, I have all these Christian friends and none of them. They were all jerks. They were all jerks to me when I was in my time of need. You can't just right. say that. Like, like they, they, I don't know what that means. Did, were they not providing the help you wanted? Were they providing help in a Christian way that you rejected? Or did they literally do nothing and just went, I don't care about your problems. You're, you're complaining to me that you're having all these issues and you're telling me that you're having all these problems and I just don't care. Get out of my face. Is that what they said? Is that what you're saying these Christians said? Because, like, so I'm sorry. I'm, I'm ranting and raving a little bit too much on this. But I, I just want everybody to understand you need to read these articles very critically because they're going to present things to you as facts. It is presented as a fact that Christians are heartless and don't care about you when you're in your time of need. It's literally just presented as a fact, baseline assumption of this article. And I reject that. Yeah. I 100% reject that. So, But the first two parts were, um, so it's uh, like going back up um, like a, or in that last paragraph that we read. Um, uh, so since Christ has paid it all, they act as if nothing is owed, no repentance, obedience, or service to neighbor. So the first two parts, repentance and obedience, mm -hmm. I agree with. But the, the or service to neighbor, that... Um, that gets into a little bit like you you have to do something in order to be like saved or like once you once you become a Christian you have to start doing stuff for your neighbors and stuff like that and it, it's more like you love your neighbor as yourself and love is defined as like you know patience kindness feet that don't run towards wrath you know stuff like that so like it, it's I don't know what they're getting on or going on about with like service to neighbor like do I have to go in like fix their car do i have to bake them cookies do i have to give them money do i have to go over and have dinner with them all the time like i don't i don't know what they mean yeah but. so it, it's just this idea that because what 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 the baseline assumptions are of this article is that there is something these christians should have done that they didn't do that is different from just sharing the gospel with her okay because that's that's what it's saying. It's saying that it would not have been enough in that instance and in that moment for them to share the gospel. They needed to do more. I don't know what that more is. 
we may find out later in the article and if she says that they needed to do more and what that may have been i don't know but that's the baseline assumption and and i'm not sure that unless like we should be helping people we, we should have a heart to help those who are in the, in need of course but that doesn't mean that we help them the way that they want to be helped we should be trying to help people the best possible way to get the best possible situation for them, right? It's the it's the feed a man a fish versus teaching a man to fish. So they could right. these Christians yeah, yeah. Th these Christians could have come in and listened to her kvetching for a day and just been there and supported her for a day. But unless they share the gospel with her, unless they share the good news about how she can be eternally saved, they didn't do her any good. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, especially if she's not in Christ at the moment, it's. She could have been just saying, like, I lost my job um, and my car's broke down and I don't know what I'm going to do and all this kind of stuff. And, and then it, she's it, expecting yeah. her car to get fixed and get a bunch of money and help them f help, help her find a job. And so it's I, I don't know. It could it could be very material things. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I really don't know. And again, but, if you're laying in a ditch dying, of course, as a Christian, you should go help out as best you can. But with this woman going through her, her emotional problems, there's only so much that we can do outside of her being a Christian and giving her life over to Christ, which would solve her emotional. It wouldn't solve her real world, like physical need problems, but it would immediately solve her greatest problem. So it just says very public personal crisis. They're like intentional to be like vague on that one. <laughs> and and my problem is if you want if you're willing to have this article written you you should be giving us full and complete details what was the personal crisis what did or didn't these christians do did you what do you mean by very public did you just post about it on facebook and they didn't check their facebook so they didn't know you were going through this very public problem like did she go and ask them for help and they rejected her did she hide her problems as best she could from everybody believe that she was uh, exuding some kind says, of aura. I was very I was very clearly crying out for help. So she didn't actually cry out for help, <laughs> but she was very clearly crying out for help. So it's like yeah. an inadvertent you, you saw me, you you knew I was struggling. So like I don't know, but So here, and, let's uh Yeah, let's read let's more of the article. Sorry, you're right. <laughs> All right, so jointly written by a renowned systematic systemic theologian Thomas McCall a New Testament scholar, Cable Caleb Friedman, a professor on evangelism and discipleship, Matt Friedman. This book offers a unique examination of one of the most downplayed aspects of evangelical theology, the relationship between salvation and good works. Downplayed. The volume offers historical, biblical, and theological treatments of this doctrine, concluding with case studies and practical applications for pastoral ministry. So things outside the Bible. Um, following John Wesley, the authors define good works as works of piety, loving God with all our heart, mind, and strength, and works of mercy, loving our, this sounds Catholic, man, um, yeah. and, and works of mercy, loving our neighbors as ourselves. Well, that's true. To be truly biblical and truly Protestant, I hate that they threw that in. They argue it is, wait, they argue is good Man, to be truly biblical and truly Protestant, they argue, is to see good works as a necessary aspect of the Christian life and even our salvation, ooh, red flag, as they observe the Reformers and other major Protestant thinkers are convinced that good works are both possible and necessary for those who are justified, regenerate, and sanctified. 
and they challenge those who follow Christ to good deeds of piety and mercy. And we could probably just uh, stop there. Um, so, d- any thoughts before we read the the scripture? <laughs> um, I, it, so the problem is when it, the, the line it says they argue is to see good works as a necessary aspect of the Christian life and even our salvation. So uh, the question I would ask them is what good works did the thief on the cross do? Seriously. What yeah, good that's works the did he easiest. Do? He didn't do the any. easiest way to, to get through that stuff is so, so hermeneutics would say one example fits all. If you see it in the Bible, it's not okay. So the way I'd put it is if it's good enough for this guy, it's good enough for us too. You know what I mean? Like, it, there's not specific things like, oh, this person got saved in this way, and that's only for him. We have to get saved in a different way because this is how things are now. Mm-hmm. Like, base, basically, I would say, like, the way you would read the Bible is you can take examples like the thief of the cross and just understand that you are saved by your faith and understanding mm-hmm. that Jesus is the Messiah and that he is, um, he, like you said, has, like, power over death and stuff like that. So... Um, so, just recognizing him as the Jewish Messiah, I think, was how you got saved, right? Because that meant things. Because that meant it was the the promise fulfilled by God that he was going to send a suffering Savior to die for the sins of the world. Right? Yeah, so so the, the basic way of, of salvation is that you need to profess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he rose from the dead. And the reason you need, okay. to, the reason you need to profess it is it needs to be public. You can't just have a, a faith in private. If it's your own private faith, then it's not really faith at all because you're not having enough faith to be public with it. What's the what's the worst thing that can happen as a Christian to you? You can get killed, and that that just means that you go to be with Christ. And so you need to profess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. If you're not willing to do that, you're not really saved. But the second part, believe in your heart that he rose from the dead. So in order to be saved, you need to believe that Jesus did what everyone claims he did. You need to believe that he died. And that be and that he was he's the creator of the universe. And so he has power over death, can overcome that and then be raised from the dead so that we can have an assurance that we are actually saved. That that is the assurance that we can be we can be completely 100 percent satisfied that Jesus Christ died for us because of the resurrection. We, we, we can know that he his salvation is real because of that. OK, so that that's all that is needed. For you to be saved what then happens like like we said earlier with the tree analogy once you've been revived and you're now an alive tree now you can start to produce fruit okay and then the other question we need to ask ourselves is the fruit that we produce is this fruit that the world will see as fruit or is this fruit that christians should see as fruit or, or is this fruit that god should see as fruit okay and so the things that we do as Christians are foolish to those who are not saved, right? That's what the Bible teaches: is that the 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 wisdom, or the what is it? The is it the wisdom of God? I can't remember. But basically, a, it, it mentions it yeah. a couple of different times. Like one yeah. of them is like the preaching of the cross is foolishness to those who are mm-hmm. not saved. And yeah, and when the the foolishness of God is greater than the wisdom of men is what I was trying to think of. And so, to those people in secular society. They will not recognize our good works as good works, okay? God's not calling us to go out and and build roads or dig wells necessarily. Those can be things that we do, but the good works that we do are not so that the... 
they, they are not necessarily going to be recognized as good by those who are under the sway of the devil. Okay? So, the entire... The entire article being based on a woman who is, I believe, still agnostic. So she's not a Christian that's come to faith and is now saying that this is what happened before she came to faith and that these unre you know, these not good working Christians are keeping her from kept her from being faith longer than she otherwise would have. She's not even a Christian yet. And we're trying to ask her what her definition of a good work is. She doesn't know what a good work is. In her mind, it's handing. It could be handing you some money. It could be moving you into a, a our house. It mm -hmm. could be, like, going over there and repairing your car. And these are all nice things that you could do. But the, what if that's not what needs to be done? What if the work is that you need to be convinced that Christ is the Messiah, that He's Lord, and that He should be King over your life? You know what I mean? And yep. um, if if the if you're not a Christian, that's that the first thing that should be done is just convincing you that you know christ is lord and then once you're convinced that christ is lord we can talk about other things but if, again if you don't if you're not a professing christian and you're coming at us as an agnostic then that's step one yep. like if you're just if, if i just hand you the money or or fix your car or or you know pay your rent for that month you're just going to be like sick thanks and then um <laughs> not it's nothing's good that's going to come from that other than you felt good in the moment and when somebody did some gesture for you yep but it could be it could be that that's what you need to do and if god's calling you to do that in that moment great and you don't do it that would be sin and again we don't know anything about this woman or about her story or about these supposed christians that didn't do christ-like things supposedly and and i just it irks me to no end that a, a christian supposedly christian publication would write an article like this it, it's completely absurd and then the other thing that uh, so the other thing that I had a problem with was uh, this last little line right here. For those who are justified, regenerate and sanctified, I'm not sure that we've been sanctified. Like I said, in the in the process that I that I discussed, I wouldn't claim that I am currently sanctified at, at, at completely. I'm in the process of sanctification. And so the other thing that we need to realize is that. It's not about the good, those Christians that supposedly didn't or didn't did or did not do good works. Who knows? We don't even know what they did or didn't do. Those Christians, even if they didn't do anything, that doesn't affect their salvation, right? They may, they may not have done the right thing in that instance, but as a Christian, I'm not called to do the right thing in every instance. I'm incapable of doing the right thing in every instance as a human being. With God and with Jesus, I can do more and more of the right things every day, but just because th those Christians didn't necessarily respond in the right way doesn't mean that they're not saved either. Okay? Well, they're, they're sinners saved by grace just like I hope she is someday. You see what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I, just every little bit of this article that could be wrong kind of is. <laughs> yeah. And so we just, we need to be very careful where we get our information from as Christians. I would argue that Christianity today is now something that every single Christian should be skeptical of and should you should read everything with a very skeptical mind generally and compare it to the one truth that we have that is the scriptures so that's that's what I call all of us to do as Christians all right so um let's go ahead and read um James 2:14 really quick yeah and 
All right, so let's see where we stop. Uh, you want me to read it? Yeah, you can go ahead and read it all the way to the end. It's only okay. like not it's not that many verses. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, "Go in peace, be warmed and filled," without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well, even the demons believe, and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way, was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. And so... It very much sounds in this passage like it's saying that faith causes, or sorry, that good works uh, cause your faith. That that's the way everybody reads this: is that the good works, and, and is that the good works save you? What what it's saying when it especially when it says, "Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works." What it's saying there is it's is he is saying that the 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 works are a production of the faith okay it is a, or it's an, there's there, there you have to have faith and then the works are produced by the faith okay it's like a tree needs water and then the tree produces an apple from the water and from the being a tree if it doesn't have water then you're not going to get any apples and so i can tell you that it doesn't have any water because it doesn't have any apples but if it has apples i can tell you for sure that it has water does that make sense yeah so, so that's it's sorry go ahead no, no you go you go uh, so it's when it says you see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone because then you take that verse and you go back up to where um you believe that god is one and you do well even the demons believe and shudder so the belief is kind of just like you acknowledge that there is a god but then doing nothing about it isn't faithful is that kind of how i'm to understand that sorry re can you re restate that again so like if you read um so it's james two twenty four. you see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone right and then you read 219 going back you believe that god is one you do well even the demons believe and shudder so is there a, there's kind of like a difference between like believing and having mm -hmm. faith and then uh, it, it's it's kind of hard to understand because I, I I know that the verses kind of seem like they're kind of pointing at like a works thing, but like there, there's there's a faith by itself and then there's a faith plus works. And so uh, when you have faith, that's you're believing in God and then plus the works is you doing something about the faith that you not doing something, but doing something because you have a faith in God. And that's like the faith plus works thing, right? That's the fruit I that you're talking about. So uh, what what I'm talking about is the, the the fruit of a of a Christian is a direct outpouring of our faith. 
okay? So when you have faith, you will absolutely 100% of the time produce good works given enough time, okay? So obviously the thief on the cross didn't do any good works to be saved, so that's a great example to us so that we know we don't have to do the good works to be saved. But if we are saved, if we have faith, okay, it is a necessary byproduct of that faith that we will begin to do good works. Okay? And so... I, I, then that, that's backed up by, by 221. Was Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You're not going to go sacrifice your son if you don't believe in God. Mm -hmm. so, that, so that makes sense. But, I, but the other question I have is, did he sacrifice his son? Well, no. Okay, so did he not have faith, or did he have enough faith that when God gave him another, another way that didn't involve him working, okay, he did that instead? That's that, interesting. That's, does that make sense? Point. Like, he didn't complete the work. He had the faith. He would have done the work. That he was wasn't, willing to do it. He was it, willing yeah. to do it. That is a, an outpouring of his faith is that it would lead to him sacrificing his son if he was commanded by God. But he didn't have to do that, okay? Because God completes the works that we do. It's God's completed work that saves us, not our own. And, and so, again, even with Rahab, she didn't do, like, work. She just had faith. She, it's not like she went and built a monument for these people. She literally just kept them in her house for a little bit, and then they left her house at a certain time. So, like, she's not doing some great, you know mighty work for God. She's just having faith that this dangerous thing she's doing is going to work out well for her in, in the end. Does that make, does that, I don't know if that makes sense or not. It might not. Yeah. But. So, so you doing something means nothing, but you doing something because you have faith, that's what it is, right? Yes, exactly. And so it, even if she did that, but didn't have faith in God, it wouldn't have meant anything. And she would have had see. the, and she would have had the city walls co collapse around her in Jericho. Does that make sense? Okay. So even what if she, from? Uh, 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 Joshua, I believe. Okay. Um, and so even if she did all the exact same steps, that's that would not have been a good work. If she wasn't, if she didn't have the faith, and so uh, again, I, 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 yeah. So no, that no, that makes sense. You wouldn't you wouldn't attempt or even do the works if you didn't have faith in God. And so doing doing works outside of faith is it means nothing. Yep. And having faith with no works also means nothing, but it's the combined two that actually means something. Having faith and doing things because of your faith. And it, so the yeah. faith is what saves you and then the works is what you do because that you're because you're saved and either one alone means nothing because like just believing like say you you're like like, so, oh, so, I believe there's a God, and then, but the demons also believe there's a God. What, Do you what, know what I mean? So. One little thing I would say is that faith alone saves. So again, the, the thief on the cross didn't have to do any good works. If he had somehow survived that, he would have then started doing good works. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I see. So, like, so you, if I'm talking to you on the street and you're professing to be a Christian and you didn't literally just become a Christian three seconds ago a random person should be able to see the fruit in your life that means that you're a changed person and a christian right how would you how would you see that from just like an encounter you wouldn't necessarily again 
the unregenerate, those who aren't Christians, aren't necessarily going to see the things that we do as good works or as fruit. I see. Does that make, does that like, make sense? So, like, again, those Christians could have shared the gospel with her, okay? So this, is hypo this whole thing is a hypothetical because we know absolutely no concrete facts. We just have Christians were big meanies, okay? But part of Christians being big meanies could have meant that they shared the gospel with her, but didn't accept all of the grief she was, all of the vile outpouring of emotion she was trying to dump on them. Does that make sense? Yeah, I can, yeah, I can kind of see that. So they, they could have shared the gospel with her. They could have given her the keys to get over the, again, I'm assuming it was emotional. It could have been a broken car. I don't know. But, you know, assuming it was emotional, they were, she was given the keys to fix those emotional problems, but she wanted to reject them because they weren't helping her the way she wanted to be helped, potentially. Right? Like I'm almost leaning on like a there was like a like a relationship issue on Facebook the way it's kind of put like a very personal yes. public thing <laughs> crisis and it, yeah. Whatever that means. I I have no idea. It's absurd that an article was written with those words and that it's calling out just generic Christians as being complete jerks. It's the whole thing is just uh. <laughs> But again, the, the, the fact is that those who are not Christians will not necessarily recognize the good things that we do as good fruit. Okay? Yeah, that makes sense. So that that's ultimately that we should not be trying to prove to the world that we're Christians by our, by our works. That's not what we're supposed to be doing. Our works might end up changing their hearts, but that shouldn't be our intention. That's what God can use to work and do things the way he wills. Okay. Right. So, like, I'm not sharing the go I, I, I'm not sharing the gospel, ex expecting that every single person will convert. Right. I'm sharing the gospel because that's what I've been commanded to do, and then hopefully, if I do it enough times, somebody's going to respond to it, and I'll be able to spend eternity with them in heaven because of it. Right. That's, that's kind of how it how it's supposed to work. I think. Honestly, yeah. Even if you just even if one person responds and you know is uh is willing to hear the message and believe it and then imagine going uh you know you live your life you die and you go to heaven and you someone walks up to you and it was like because of your podcast because of <laughs> the things that you shared i started my journey and i put my faith in christ and here i am like that would be nuts yeah and like and obviously all glory be to god we're just Amen. his messengers and stuff but it'd my, be it'd be nice to know that god worked through us in this way to do something like that that I, I don't know i don't remember the verse off the top of my head but my understanding is that there's actually a verse that says that we're going to get to kind of commune with the people that uh were responsible for our salvation like we're it's kind of be kind of be like a family reunion type thing in heaven Wow. Okay. I think we're, I think we're going to get to be with and, and talk to everybody in heaven. I don't know exactly how that works, but specifically, I believe we're told that we're going to get to kind of be with those people who were uh, instrumental in our faith. What is your what is your so the, the new heaven and the new Jerusalem and the new earth is going to come down from heaven, right? Like, do you think it's going to be some ethereal thing where we're all spirits and we're all outside of space and time? Or do you think like the physical humanity and garden of Eden thing is going to be like redeemed. Like so how, what is your, what is your kind of thoughts on that? I, I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sure on this, but I'm, I'm fairly confident that basically what's going to happen 
is we're either going to die and then go to heaven to be with Jesus, or we're going to get raptured and we're going to go into heaven and we're going to be with Jesus. Okay. Um, at some point, Jesus will then come back down and take over and be the political ruler over the earth for a thousand years. This earth, as it basically as it stands, he's going to come take it over, reform it, of course, because Jesus being king is going to be awesome, and we're not going to have the homelessness and the really much of any problems. Okay, and so that's what's going to happen first. At that point, when we when Jesus comes back down and takes over the earth, we're going to be following him and his army, and I believe that we will have regenerated bodies. Okay, so you know how in uh. In the Gospels, or in uh, at the end of the Gospels and in the beginning of Acts, it talks about Jesus after he's resurrected. Yes. Okay. Uh, do you remember some of the special things he was able to do after he was resurrected that he couldn't do before? I'm, I'm, I know he appeared to his disciples while they were in okay. a locked room. Yes. And so that is a sign or an example of the fact that he has a body that is in more dimensions than we are currently in so right now we experience four dimensions we have length width, height and we have time okay so if you add in more dimensions that's the only explanation for jesus being able to enter into a locked room and so think if you think about it like a flat world so we've got um a little stick man right here okay my horribly drawn little stick man if you can see that um so we got our we got my stick man right here. Okay, if I take this pen, I can come in and I can poke him. Okay, in a in a dimension that he can't uh, he can't even comprehend. Okay, he only has length and width. So he can only comprehend things that are here or here, on either side of him or above him or below him, only in the x y. He can't comprehend anything in this third dimension. So he doesn't, as far as he knows. This box around him is now a house, right? And so, as far as he knows, he's completely safe from the outside world. But my pen can still come in and, and mess them all up and draw all over him, right? And so, that's yeah. the, those are the bodies that we're going to have uh, in the, uh, the thousand-year reign, I believe. We will have bodies that are like Christ's where we can enter into a locked room because in the fifth dimension, it's open, does that make sense? So we're going to be yeah. more. Reality is going to be bigger. It's going to be greater. It's going to be more than what we experience right now. Whereas when you, whereas like the words you're using kind of like ethereal or spirit or like heaven, it sounds less. Those all sound like I'll have less dimensions than I have now. And the reality is you're going to be greater. Okay. Um, And then all of that will pass away after the thousand year reign uh, the devil, all the devils are going to be thrown into the lake of fire along with the unrepentant sinners. And then we're going to get to live in the new heavens and the new earth with Jesus for eternity. Oh, okay. It's a completely new earth, a completely new heaven. Or is it like, is it like a redeemed version of the same thing we have now? Or is it literally a new heaven and a new earth? You know, it, it, it my guess is it's going to be like, going from the first iPhone to, like, the iPhone 15 that we're on now. <laughs> like, it's, you'll recognize it. You'll still be able to go in and use all the apps, but it's just going to be so much more, uh, so much so much better in every single way, right? 
Okay. Does, that, does that make sense? So I think yeah. that I, I could be completely wrong about this, but I believe that there will be a Jerusalem. And if there is a Jerusalem, the Jerusalem is in a very specific place. It's on a hill. There's very specific topology around that area. You can't just call something a Jerusalem that isn't Jerusalem. And so I think that the rest of the earth will be made in the image of the earth that we're on now. Again, okay. that's mostly speculation, so I don't want anybody thinking that this is a hard and fast biblical teaching that, that I'm teaching right now. I'm, this is just what I believe, uh, and that's not necessary for salvation. It's not necessary for my salvation that a new earth has Jerusalem with the same topology that Jerusalem has now. It could be completely different. But okay. I, be I believe it will be. I believe we will recognize the new earth. Okay. I, just uh, yeah, that makes just, sense to me. Yeah. So, I like the I like the higher dimensions thing. That, mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes Cause, sense. Because like we when when we think of spirits, a lot of uh, Americans especially think of like ghosts, right? And a ghost is less than a ghost is a being that exists on Earth but can't pick anything up, can't interact with with physical objects, and unless you're some kind of special person, most people can't even see them, right? So when we think of, like, spirits or ghosts, we think of something that's less than, less capable, not, you know, less than a human. When in the reality is a spiritual being is going to be a being with far more capabilities, more like an angel. So you know how angels come down and they look like men? Um, yeah. And they can eat and all that kind of stuff? That's not necessarily their, like, physical appearance as God would see it in heaven. That's just what we but see. But that's how they manifest when they're down here so that mm -hmm. we can see them and recognize them and stuff. Yeah, it's just for whatever reason, when they're here, that's what they look like. I, I couldn't even come close to telling you why. But yeah, so <laughs> I hope that answers your question. Uh, we were already past, we're already past two hours and 15 minutes, but uh, we need to get into our uh, Bible reading here, I think. Unless you had some more questions okay. on that. No, no, no. That's, that's totally fine. We're just uh, all we're right. going a little long today, so I hope everybody's okay with that. We'll uh, alert all the affiliates. <laughs> Sorry, that's um, a that's an old school term. So it used to be back in the day that there were a bunch of like TV stations that were independent, and if a program was going to roll longer than it they thought it would originally go, you had to alert all of the affiliate stations that were rebroadcasting it. <laughs> oh, that makes sense. It's a okay. it, it's a joke that one of the other podcasters that I listen to makes all the time. So, all right. Well, why don't we end with a proverb reading, and we'll give um, the John stuff a little bit more time next time. Okay. And we did read out of John a little bit, and we read out of James, so uh, we did we did some good Bible reading too. Uh, we are at Proverbs three. What were the what was it again? I'm sorry, I totally lost all that. Proverbs. Um, I think you should just cap it off by reading like 13 all the way to 35 it, Thank you. it would That's take like another five five minutes yeah, yeah yeah sorry i i couldn't remember where we were at at all so i appreciate that all right proverbs 13 blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding for the gain from her is better than gain from silver and her profit better than gold she is more precious than jewels and nothing you desire can compare with her long life is in her right hand and her left hand are riches and honor her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Those who hold her fast are called blessed. The Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding he established the heavens. 
By his knowledge, the deeps broke open and the clouds dropped down the dew. My son, do not lose sight of these. Keep sound wisdom and discretion, and they will be life for your soul and adornment for your neck. Then you will walk on your way securely, and your foot will not stumble. If you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Do not be afraid of sudden terror, or of the ruin, of the wicked when it comes. For the Lord will be your confidence, and will keep your foot from being caught. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due, when it is in your power to do it. Do not say to your neighbor, Go and come again, tomorrow I will give it, when you have it with you. Do not plan evil against your neighbor who dwells trustingly beside you. Do not contend with a man for no reason, when he has done you no harm. Do not envy a man of violence, and do not choose any of his ways. For the devious person is an abomination to the Lord, but the upright are in his confidence. The Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the dwelling of the righteous. Toward the scorners he is scornful, but to the humble he gives favor. These will The, the wise will inherit honor, but fools get disgrace. All right. So there's a... That was a that was a lot of good stuff there. Uh, Proverbs is a lot of good like wisdom for life, and um, I would encourage a lot of people to just blow through all of the proverbs. Mm -hmm. It's a really good book to read. I thought it was going to go over my head, but I, I find that if you read it, it's actually understandable. Yep. Um especially in a if, in a translation that you can understand. I could see the KJV or something like that being a little bit wonky. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's when I like the NLT when I need something easier. <laughs> um, so it's it's interesting that the Lord likens wisdom and understanding to something that's more precious than jewels and mm -hmm. better than silver and better than gold. So ba basically, um, the way the Lord looks at it is wisdom, understanding, and discretion is all better than money. And so it's... Um, and it's saying that uh what was it basically <clears throat> uh, man yeah i can't remember um where exactly it was what, it, just saying say? like something that's what i'm trying to to find again oh that long life is in her right hand and in her left hand are riches and honor so while it's saying that um wisdom is better than gain from jewels and silver and gold that if you have it long life is in her right hand and in her left hand are riches and honor so you still get like you'll still be you know able to grow wealth and able to make money and able to act live long if you search after wisdom mm -hmm. and understanding and discretion and discernment and stuff like that so if you I imagine if you search after riches and honor, you're just going to find disgrace and, and some issues there. But if you search after wisdom, then that will just be added on to you, right? Yep. Well, and, and you know, there's going to be people that don't search after wisdom but still get riches, right? Like, there's plenty of people who aren't saved, who are very wealthy. Um, yeah. But what it's saying is that when you find wisdom, that's more valuable than all of that because what's the what's the beginning of wisdom? fear of the lord amen and so if you're fearing the lord you're you're on the process and on the path to becoming wise and when you're wise you're going to make better decisions than when you're not wise and so you know as as someone who is you know has wisdom you're going to live a better life than someone who who doesn't right 
And so yeah. even those people, like you, you look at some of the wealthiest people on the planet, they're some of the most unhappy people because they have all this wealth, but they don't have the wisdom to know what to do with it or to, to seek after God and figure out what God wants them to do with it. Yeah, it's emptiness. It's all just vanity. And if you went to every restaurant in the world and you lived in like the most lavish things that you can think of, ate the best food, drove the best car, went to the best places, like it, it'll be cool for a time. But then something in your soul will just be having a void. And it's it's just Jesus. Like if you don't have Jesus in your life, nothing else matters. Like yep. and none of the money, none of the food, none of the anything that you could attain matters at like in the long run it might again it might please your flesh in the short term but in the long term you're just going to be depressed and miserable because you have found that there's really no long lasting joy or peace within all that stuff people yep. just want your money they want handouts they it, it's it's just crazy but well, I, yeah, I think there's, there's a, you know there's a lot of there's a lot of rich people that start to hate humanity and to hate people because you know, there's so many people that just want stuff from them. You start to see other human beings not as images of God, but as these needy, wanting, dirty, disgusting, you know, vile creatures that are just trying to get as much from you as they can. And and I think that's a big problem that a lot of rich people have is they get very jaded, very nihilistic, you know, and so they usually go down the hedonistic path where, you know, they start doing and whatever they can regardless of how sinful it may be um or what a lot of them will do is like bill gates they'll start to create their own kind of religion i, I wouldn't say that he's a hundred he's not trying to be you know the prophet of this religion bill gates but like he's got his own religion in his brain and he's absolved of his guilt from his sin by spending money on the poor africans right like you start oh, to yeah. create these systems where you can absolve yourself of the bad things that you've done by paying for it and by doing good with the money that you've been given. And so like, yeah, cause then you say, I'm a good person. I've helped all these people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's, it's the most clear with like the carbon stuff. So Bill Gates believes that you and me and every other person on the planet shouldn't be allowed to use a gasoline lawnmower cause that's putting out CO2, but it's okay for him to fly his jet around because he's buying carbon offsets and the work he's going to do is worth him doing the, the bad with the carbon. But you doing bad with the carbon isn't good because you're not doing all these other good things, too. And so, like, that's Doesn't his that religion. The, the, isn't CO2 what plants use to make oxygen? Yep. <laughs> so, that, that uh, makes no sense. Actually, just recently there was an article I was reading that was saying that it's way more likely that the warmer the planet the more co2 in the atmosphere okay so what this what the models and the scientists they're not really scientists but what the scientists are all telling you about global warming or climate change is that uh it's the co2 that's causing the warming when the reality is it's actually possible that the warming's the causing the co2 mm -hmm, because the warmer that's it is crazy. that means that plants are getting more sunlight so the plants are then processing more oxygen and turning it processing or CO2. And no, I get Oh, no, no. no. The, it warmer means that there's going to be more animals and everything else that are putting out CO2. Because they so. can breed when with the heat yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, just my only point in bringing that up is to just say that that's his religion. You, every, every person serves something outside of themselves, either money 
or power or influence or, you know, good feelings, uh, sex, drugs, all that stuff are things that people can put in place of God. And either you have God in his proper place or you have something else that's in an improper place. And, you know, we can see very clearly that that's the case with, like, Bill Gates. You know, he's he's not a happy person from, from everything that you can you can tell about him. The yeah, there's there's definitely something sitting on the throne of your heart and of your mind and if it's anything but god you're going to be miserable in the in the long term and if not already so you you serve a master you just have to identify which master that is like what what is the thing you think about the most what is the thing that you pursue after the most what are you working towards all the time like at that point that's your master yep. like it, it, you know so if if it's if you make it Jesus Christ and, and you know God, then those things will just come. Mm-hmm. But if if you if you make it money, then you'll just find out once you have it what now, you know? <laughs> so it's Yep. <laughs> yep. Well, and, yeah. and and again Bill Gates is one of those people where it's very apparent that the good things that he is doing are not good works as seen by God, right? Like you know his his desire to go and vaccinate all of that all of africa and reduce the population and you know there's just he he did like i think he's banned from india for like sterilizing and killing a bunch of people with vaccines possibly i don't want to lie i don't want to slander or i don't want to slander anyone in a legal sense but uh yeah that's possible yeah it's that's what i've heard i don't know if it's uh completely true or anything like that but there was this uh, yeah. I think I saw something, but the, what I could be read, reading could have been yeah. false as well, too. So I, it's not making it, any yeah. Who knows? factual <laughs> statements. <laughs> I'm not either. And again, that's why I said from everything that we can see, it doesn't seem like Gates is a I mean, he's divorced. He, you know, it's it's just sad. It's sad. The, the life that you live with somebody that's a billionaire like that, that doesn't have Christ. Same with Elon Musk and and everybody else. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Yep. Well, all right. I think we are at our time here. Yep. And, uh, you know, just to say it one more time, we're, we're, my name is Ryan, and I'm with my friend Austin. We're doing this podcast called Faithful Dialogues. We're really appreciative of anybody that listened this long, and I hope that you're having a wonderful day. Uh, you can go check out the stuff that I do personally over at AIIW.org.org. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, uh, Austin, do you want to shout anything out? Um honestly i mean i'm just gonna say that it's really crucial where you put your faith in this life it's it's really important that you consider the claims of jesus christ if if you've never done it you should read one of the gospels in the new testament and just honestly give it your consideration and i just urge everybody to to put their faith in jesus christ um or at, at the very least to challenge me and go and read the bible and give it a shot for yourself because god is real he does love you and he came into his creation with a specific purpose to die for you while you were still a sinner so while you were an enemy or at enmity with god he intentionally came down and died for the sins of the world so that if you put your faith in him that you'll have eternal life that was the intention to die for all of us in the world so that if we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we will have eternal life. So I um, I hope that everybody takes that claim seriously, reads the Gospels, and understands that, again, God loves you and he died for you on that cross. And, um, yeah, 
Just put Amen. your faith in Jesus and trust Jesus and, you know, repent of, of what you're doing and turn towards God. And, um, yeah, that's, that's <laughs> what I wanted to say. <laughs> awesome. And uh, once you've done that, make sure you go buy a shirt from my friend Austin at apostlesaddict.com. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Obviously, I care more, way more about your salvation than, than a stupid. <laughs> All right. We want to end it on that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, put your faith in Jesus. Be saved for all of eternity. And um, have a good day, you guys. Bye, guys. <laughs> <laughs> bye, bye. <laughs>